Hi guys. We're Hola. back. <laughs> of course you're gonna do it in fucking Spanish. Uh welcome back. The Chronicles of Podcast, the 82nd edition. And Jamie, I believe these chronicles, these chronicles today, uh, with a light shower, gustily breeze from the east. Um uh, is the Chronicles of Jamie Arthur. Yeah, it is. Absolutely amazing. We're looking forward to this one. Hit it! Hey, honey bunny, it's Rivka Reyes. This is Ron Wasserman, the nut that wrote Go Go Power Rangers. It's Boba Fett here. This is Molly Rennick from Living Dead Girl. It's WWE superstar legend, Davy Boy Smith's daughter, Georgia Smith. My name is Jamie Arthur. This is Chronicles of Jamie Arthur. Hope you get a good insight to who I am and what I do. Um, former Commonwealth Games gold medalist, nine times world champion, Commonwealth professional ta- champion, three times British title champion, and uh, just overall funny, nice guy. So, have a great time, guys. Love you. Potatoes are equally unique, and no one cares. And they're off, and you see Peter's in front, Peter's gone, and they've disappeared. I've um, decided um, the whole hand washing process is wrong, and we need to start doing trouser shuffles across the bathroom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 82nd edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. And these are the Chronicles of Jamie Arthur. It is I, the bearded Brummy, and joining me, as always, as always, is this handsome bugger right here. I've missed so very much. If he hadn't realised eight editions in, his name's Jamie. So just to let everybody know. He called himself the Bearded Brummy, but didn't actually specify what his name, name was. So, so I just thought I'd put that out there for everybody. We've got Jamie on the show who, who hosts every single week along with myself. And Jamie is also the guest this week as well. Um, it's Scott and Tom. What's going on, guys? So I'll give you a little breakdown there uh, for absolutely no reasons whatsoever. Um, I have missed you too, sir. It's been weird. It's been very weird been not very weird. being behind this microphone for the past couple of weeks. Uh, we've obviously missed all of you as well. We've missed all of you listeners and all of our fans out there. So thank you so much to all of you that have come back and gone, oh, the boys are back. Good. Excellent. We have got a fucking doozy for you this week, boys and girls. Ooh. Don't you worry about that. This is an interview with Jamie Arthur is nothing short of inspirational. But Jamie, me and Keris went for a walk. Um, this is when the sun was like out of, come out of nowhere on a, on a Saturday a couple of weekends ago. And uh we were walking towards Cardiff Castle, and there were two kids that started to walk around and walk around us and started to walk off. I, all I heard was the talk as many just goes, man's walks bare fast, isn't it? <laughs> and I just went, <laughs> <laughs> What? Yeah, he literally just turned his mate went, man's walks bare fast, you get me. It's almost, it's almost like he was like challenging him to walk faster. Did you ever do that as a kid? Did you ever try and walk faster and when people try to walk faster? You're like, you can't run, you're out to run. <laughs> I mean, I vaguely remember doing that one as a kid, but I don't remember ever saying man's walks bare fast in it. Oh, so... you get me, is what he said. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get me. Oh, fuck. Oh, go away. You're annoying. so funny. It was was it in the Welsh so... accent, at least? Because a Welsh chav sounds great in my head. Oh, well, I heard it was just whispered. He didn't really talk oh. very loudly. So it was just was like, man's walks bare fast. You get me. <laughs> man's walks very fast. You get me. Oh. See, in, in a Welsh accent, sounds great. I can't do it. I can't do it. Worse. I'm just going to enjoy some frothy coffee. It won't be a second. Oh, frothy coffee. Yeah, sorry, we're it's late today. We had to wait for his milk to froth. <laughs> um, well, what can I say? The machine does everything, boys and girls. Um, but when, so in reference to people walking quickly, 
I obviously the Welsh Marathon was on this week in Newport. They'd shut down like the whole of Newport for for the Welsh Marathon, and there were people commentating, but the commentators are obviously sat still, static in one area, whereas the marathon runners are gone. So what does it sound like? And they're off, and you see Peter's in front, Peter's gone, and they've disappeared. <laughs> I. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you because I can't see a thing. They they've gone. They're running. They're running. That's all I know. Someone's maybe stopped for a water break somewhere. Maybe someone stopped for a piss. I'm not entirely sure. But they're running. Uh, and obviously, when they come out to the finish line, oh here we go. And then George, <laughs> George is coming to the front. Because <laughs> obviously, for the London Marathon TV, they can see the whole thing. It's filmed. Yeah. So they get it. That's but a really good. Elsewhere, people are just like. And they're off, and they're running. What a wonderful place this marathon's going! And as soon as they disappear, they're like, "Brilliant!" Well, I, I now can't see anything. So there's a little girl on the teacups down here at the fairground. <laughs> I, sort of, comes about. I sort of feel like the commentator should run with them. So the, I keep it in, and then the winner is me. Actually, hey! <laughs> Imagine the commentator fucking running with them while commentating. By the end, be like. <laughs> 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 John's in the background. John's collapsed. John's collapsed. Someone get an ambulance. Need ambulance. <laughs> Someone just tell us who won, please. <laughs> I have never in my life ever thought. Do you know what I really want to do? Run for twenty six miles. Like, oh my god! I've never wanted anything more in my life than to run twenty six miles around I've a city. I've also never thought to myself. Do you know what I really want to watch today? People run twenty six miles around a city. No. <laughs> yeah, because the marathon's this Sunday. The London Marathon's this Sunday because some of the guys I'm trying to get delegates at work are running it because they've been like on LinkedIn being like, oh, I'm running the marathon for this charity. Woo! And they've been like, yeah, well, I, I'm seriously, I hope they raise fucking loads of money because there's some charities out there that, that fucking deserve it. And I think fair play to those people that are running that marathon. I mean, but you wouldn't catch me fucking dead. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I... <laughs> um, just a thought, wasn't there like controversy a couple of years ago from someone in the London Marathon stopping at the side of the road to have a piss? I don't know why, it's just a memory. It's just a oh, I vaguely remember that too. That was a thing, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. I think I vaguely yeah. remember that. Yeah. Anyway, random um, memory. But the thing is, well, I've got so much stuff on here, man. Like, because you've been away for two weeks, I'm just, I've got so much shit. But the one, the, the last thing I want to bring up before before we all find out how uh, La Espana was. Um, was do you remember really randomly when people just planked on things? They planked on things. Well, they just go and walk up to a bench and then just they just lie as flat as they could over the top of the bench and plank on it. Yes, oh, I vaguely on. remember yeah. this. Yes, I vaguely. Or bins, or just very, people would take the most randomest photos on the most randomest things being planked on. Remember that, that was a, fa- a fad Friends back in the day. So fucking weird. And then they made it into a gym exercise. <laughs> The most evil gym exercise. <laughs> like there's a that. woman. A woman broke the world record for the longest plank ever this week. Did she? Four hours. Four over hours in a plank. Four, over four hours. And I think it's about 30 odd minutes. Fair fucking play. I salute you. That is incredible. I mean, I know 30 seconds feels like four hours, <laughs> but actually doing it for four hours. No, do thank you, know, you, love. Do you know what I think her day job is? Lying very still. Human statue. Yes. She got bored being a human statue and stood there for so long. That's how you mix up the market of the human statue. The human plank. 
Mix yeah. it up. Paint yourself brown and just lie in a bank position. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> that fair play to them. Four, four, yeah. over four hours is insane doing that. Fair play. So, before, before we move on, though, sir, I, I have also been thinking about something this week. And yeah. I know you're going to pull a face. Well, oh, it's not one of these again, is it? I've been thinking about poo again. Oh, for fuck's sake, okay. <laughs> I think we're doing it wrong. The whole process. We're doing it wrong. Because I was thinking about this. So, when you, you sit down, you do your business, you get up, you pull your trousers and your pants up, you walk close to the sink, you wash your hands, leave the room, right? I, I missed out flush toilet, that's in there too. That, that's the that's the standard procedure, right? Right, I mean, I'm kind of worried where you're going with this, to be quite But is that the standard procedure? Please, am I right there? Yeah. Yeah. So they say you wash your hands before you touch anything else because your hands are dirty, because, you know, poo particles and all that jazz. You're pulling, up your pa- you're pulling up your trousers and your pants first. So surely you're getting pooticles all over your waistband and your button and your zip. So surely, shouldn't you do a shimmy across the room, wash your hands, well, flush, wash your hands, and then pull up afterwards? No. But then you're, not, you're getting pooticles on your trousers. But why are you keeping that around that area? Why are they not around your ankles? Yeah, but I mean, when you pull up, you've got to pull them up. Yeah. So you've got pooticles on your hands when you pull them up. I mean, I'm a wet wipe person. I don't give a shit. <laughs> so I'm cleansed. I'm clean regardless. I'm aloe vera <laughs> But I've um, decided I'm... the whole hand washing process is wrong and we need to start doing trouser shuffles across the bathroom. Okay. Okay. So I really hope that nobody gets knocked out or hurts themselves <laughs> during so... Jamie's random fucking idea of let's just weirdly shuffle in the bathroom for some reason. Um... <laughs> it's going to make, make public bathrooms really fucking difficult. Just everyone shuffling out of cubicles to go wash hands in McDonald's. Especially if they're fucking hung and swinging. Jesus Christ, they're going to take some people out on the way by. <laughs> oh, there might be some oh. actor spray. <laughs> oh. oh, was that for Breeze? No, sorry, it's piss bit. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, what's that? Oh, it's cock on shoulder. <laughs> oh, not again. It's happened at hospital for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> fucking cock on shoulder. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I, I'd be honest. I can't see it catching on. Maybe if you want to start it yourself and do it, if you're if you're that worried about pooticles on your waistband, my friend, then you carry on. But, I'm just uh, saying, it was a random bathroom thought, and I think it makes sense. We have a really wholesome interview, and you brought up fucking shit within the first ten minutes. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Hope you've missed me. We're trying to further this show when Jamie Westwood just keeps dragging us back. <laughs> You know, we were talking about ducks with corkscrew dicks two weeks ago. You leave me out of this. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, all right, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I decided recently, which I... <laughs> Come on then, Jamie. I know you're dying to tell the world. How was Spain? Spain was beautiful. What amazing weather. Like, 30 degree heat pretty much every day. Like, it was glorious, glorious weather. Getting off the plane back when we come home to Birmingham to rain was bullshit was not a fan of that but no it's absolutely beautiful i haven't been on an airplane in seven or eight years and i Mm. forgot just how fucking much i hate flying it is horrible i don't know why do you hate it so much hate takeoff it just feels weird and horrible i I love it i I don't like it at all and I i i don't know what it is 
But every time the other plane like remotely moves, I'm like, that's it, we're dead. We're fucked. We're gonna crash now. We're, we're out of here. Goodbye, everybody. I hate it. Absolutely fucking hate it. I'm the most paranoid, nervous flyer ever. But landing, I'm okay with though. And plus, my ears kill me. My ears pop and go weird about 700 times in a flight. Yeah, make yourself yawn or suck a cock or a sweet or something. <sighs> That's what I didn't do. I didn't suck a cock on the flight. I knew I missed something. Shit. It really helps. <laughs> <laughs> it really helps. I mean, the guy next to me was not happy, but I was... <laughs> his, his ears were popping. He was waiting for you to finish. No. <laughs> But no, I didn't mind. I didn't mind landing so much, apart from the as the wheels hit the floor. But yeah, it was. I was fine on the way home because I think I'd gone through it once and I was used to it. But no, the way there, I absolutely fucking hated it. And it, it's nice to see it's it's a it seems to be a Westwood thing because my dad is the exact same. He's got like the most thickest noise cancelling headphones. He's like, I don't want to know anything. Don't want to know anything. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I mean. Pilots are designed to, they're trained for these situations, but turbulence is completely normal. So if they're playing moves in the air, that's just completely normal. You would have hated the flight back from New York and me and Kara said, Jesus, it was, the winds were awful, like awful on the way out. So he said, he goes, the pilot was like, on the way out, it's going to be quite bad because the winds are like heavy. And I was like, oh, awesome. (laughs) It was, to be fair, right? It didn't really bother. I was was expecting like to go, we did like do a bit of that, the bit of this and that sort of thing. And I was like, Jesus Christ. But I put move. I could put movies on the, the the chair in front of me, so I was just chill. It's fine. I suppose yeah, it's not too bad if you do that. But no, it was all it was all right. I've I've got used to it. It was quite nice going over the French Alps. That was beautiful to see. I was, I was like, oh, look at you, snowy mountains I like this. But no, uh, Spain was beautiful. Um, we it was Easter obviously over the time we went over there. So the Spanish are very religious. So we went to some really nice like Easter parades. We went to like three oh, of them. Wow, that's so cool. And it was really cool. Like carrying these giant floats were covered in flowers and statues of Jesus, obviously, and like other religious characters covered in flowers. And I mean, when I say carrying, there was, let me do quick math, quick math, about 24 people carrying these. They were massive. And they fair play to them. They weren't on wheels. They were on their shoulders carrying them. They literally walk in for about two minutes and then stop, rest, because they are that heavy. But it's amazing. The whole village was involved. Like, there was quite a few people watching, but when you think about how many people live in this village, the majority of them were in this parade, like religious robes on, giving sweets out to all the kids. After the first day, because we went to two on the on the Good Friday, we actually counted and we got back. Olivia came back of 102 sweets because they literally just walked down to put in sweets in bags for kids. It was awesome to see. She's like, why is there no chocolate? I was like, 30 degree heat, kid. You don't want chocolate. It's going to melt. <laughs> Um, but no, we, we had a great time. We went to Alicante, went up to Castello della Santa Barbara, which is like a giant castle on a hill. I kept singing Ed Sheeran on the way up to it. Um, but what was really weird as well is you can tell the difference between the English and the Spanish because we paid three euros to go to this castle and that was to use the lift. It was to basically pay for the maintenance of the lift. It was no charge to get into the castle. Whereas you go here... I'll have £20 to go with the castle and I'd also like £10 to help with the upkeep of the castle, please. Fucking, yeah. Bloody, bloody I, English. I the Tory party. Yes, bloody English. Um, yeah, we did that. It was beautiful. We went to Torrevieca. I think that's how you spell it. Pronounce it, rather. Uh, we visited the Salt Plains, which is a... They sometimes have flamingos there. They didn't have flamingos. I was quite gutted because we all know I love a flamingo. 
but there was no flamingos there. I was a little bit sad. Even my dad was like, I'm sorry, son. I was hoping we could get to see a flamingo for you. <laughs> So, yes, you apologised to your 36-year-old son that he couldn't see flamingos. I bet those flamingos, as the joke I made a couple of weeks back, just went, we better flamingo. <laughs> right. But obviously it'd be more Spanish, wouldn't it? They'd be like, hey, gringo, we better flamingo. The West Woods are coming. <laughs> On the way, can we suffer some paella? <laughs> But these salt plains are amazing. All the rocks just build up of salt on them. In the background, you can see like giant mountains of salt. I was like, this is nuts. Like, I've never seen anything like it in my life. I was like, why am I fascinated by salt? This is weird. But it's awesome. You're fascinated by everything. You love everything and are fascinated by everything. So I don't know why you're surprised. <laughs> I want to deny Let's it. Be I, real. Can't, I can't deny it. Yeah. I was, was going to like... Sorry. Nah. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. We, we all know you now. We all know you. This is 82 editions in. Don't forget yeah. we did 50 editions of the Chronicles before and the Superior Bar Fight, so you're a bit screwed, my friend. Yeah, I'm a child. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but no, but other than that, we did, we did a shit ton of walking, like so much walking around, looking at... Just going window shopping, all that sort of stuff. Um did a lot of sunbathing, burnt my shoulder, turned into a crispy rotisserie chicken. Wasn't good. Had a feeling I might need to go to the doctors, but luckily it's okay now. Um, did a lot of reading. I'd like like three quarters of a book. I've been reading Jurassic Park. Didn't realise how different the book was to the movie. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, my dad's neighbour had a hot tub, so like most evenings, me and Becky were just chilling in there. Well, chilling in a hot tub watching The Mandalorian might be my new favourite thing to ever do. Like, want to do that more often. Yeah, that sounds unreal. I'm not watching Mandalorian, but yeah, hot tub in Spain sounds insane. But then again, I was rhymed then. Um, a hot tub in Spain sounds insane. Um, that must have been fucking boiling. We went on the night time, so it was lovely and cool outside. So it was just lovely to sit in there like 11 o'clock at night, just chilling in this hot tub. It was glorious. It was, it was superb. But yeah, absolutely loved that. Um Went swimming one of the days. There was like a spa swimming pool around the corner from where we were where we were staying. So it was like those are like bubbly jacuzzi areas and stuff like that. And then we can go swimming with Olivia. My dad's neighbour had a pool because thirty degrees sounds hot to us, but to Spain it's not actually that hot. So the water was like 15, 16 degrees. It took me about twenty minutes to get to just above my knees. And then as soon as my bollocks hit the water, I was like, nope, this is not for me. I am not staying in here for very long. <laughs> that was it. I got in there with that once. Fuck that. Way too cold. No. I don't know how people have cold showers and things like that. It's not for me. No, 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 no. You realise that if you just got in and got your shoulders under, you would fine. No. I, I, did, I did get my whole body in, apart from my head. I, no, but no. No, I don't do cold water. No, not for me. Thank you. But no, it was great. Um, we also went to Murphy as well, which is like the local city centre. The first day we went, there was another parade and it was so fucking packed. Like, there is nothing more anxiety riding than going on a packed tram with hundreds of fast-talking Spanish people. Like, my God, I have never heard a noise like it in my life. It's just like... They talk really like, it's crazy how fast they talk. My jaw would hurt. It's like being in a tram full of horse racing commentators. It was weird as fuck. So, but we literally were there for about 10 minutes. All the shops, well, more than that, walking around, but all the shops were closed because of this festival. We were like, fuck it, we'll go back there for the next day. So we just we got a Starbucks and went home. <laughs> you couldn't do anything. It was so packed. But it's great. What I did love, though, is 
they're so community driven. Like everyone just gets along. It's beautiful out there in that sense. Like you come here and like, you're right, mate, fuck off. But <laughs> there, it's everyone's so friendly. It was it was absolutely amazing. And yeah, I, I can't wait to go back. It was really nice. So yeah, it was lovely. Lovely. Question for you then. Go on then. Did she do it? Did she do it? Did Olivia say Feliz Navidad? She didn't say Feliz Navidad. Of course she didn't. Of course she didn't. She kept singing it as we were going around, but she didn't say it to anyone. But fair play, my dad got her to go into a cafe because he took her to a cafe in one of the mornings and brought her an ice lolly for breakfast. But what? Yeah, she kept. They kept saying as a joke. I thought we'll get you an ice lolly for breakfast tomorrow because you know it's holiday. And then she literally came back the following day after they went out. Daddy. I had a nice lolly for breakfast, and my dad was like, "That was supposed to be our secret." <laughs> but no, he took her to this cafe, and apparently, she said "hola." She said "la quinta." Said what? Sorry, "hola." She oh, said, hola. Said, I thought you said "hola" to begin with. "Hola, hola, hola." hola. hola. <laughs> she said "hola," and she she asked for "la quinta," which is the bill, yeah, yeah. and she said "por favor," obviously, thank you. And I think I believe she asked for. Sorry, whoa, 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 whoa! Por favor, thank you. Isn't it? Horus, please. Gracias is thank Gracias. you. Gracias. Gracias. Jeez. Gracias. Yeah. Which I did in fucking home bargains the other day because I got so used to being in Spain for nine days. The guy, the cashier gave him my change. went, Gracias. I was like, for fuck's sake. Gracias. Yeah. Idiot. But yeah, she said that and apparently she asked for a water as well. She was like, agua. So yeah, she was, she was doing it. She was, she said a few things a couple of times, bless her. But no, she didn't sing Feliz Navidad to a random Spanish person. But next time, maybe. Next time. You should get her on uh, Get her on Duolingo. My, I'm, I think I'm tend to get myself on Duolingo properly for next time because I sort of gave up on it. So I might just start again. I've, I've been flying. Absolutely flying. Anyway, sorry. Yes. We're talking about you. But that was, that was my Spanish adventures. What have you been up to, my friend? Not a fat lot, <laughs> if I'm really honest. I used this time to relax, chill, because I knew that we had so much recording coming up and I knew we had a lot coming up and I knew we had a lot to do and we had so much coming up. Um, uh, so many conversations that were needed. Um, <laughs> so many carrots being dangled for absolutely no reason when no one cares. Um, that, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, no, I'm just messing. I'm just messing. Um, <laughs> I do love a good conversation. Um, anyone does. Everyone does. Um, so, yeah, not not a whole hell of a lot to be quite honest with you. Uh, I played a lot of Braden. Uh, we've had quite a few conversations. Um, we've done a few interviews. It's been absolutely amazing. So I'm really excited for them to come out uh, with another one coming this week. Uh, we are on it this week. It's nuts. Yeah, we are. Um, I've been to Karis's mum's. I went to visit my own mum and saw my own hey. family uh, for Easter. That was really really nice. Um, excuse me, sorry. Uh, so we did that. And then we had like, so we had an Easter Sunday at my mum's, then Easter Monday at Keris's mum's. So it was just really, really nice. That's, that's literally what we've done, really, to be honest with you, my friend. Like, watching a lot of Daddy, that's been fucking great. We've started Rabbit Hole with Keeper Sutherland. We're completely mm. up to date with that. That's fucking insanely good. Um, well, I'm not joking. I, I think they took the cast of 24 and went, we'll have you, we'll have you, we'll have you, and we'll have you. So... There's another one pops up and I was like, why do I know him? He's a villain in one of the series. It's like all the villains. It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. I really recommend. It's really good. Uh, very. You have to pay attention, though. You have oh, okay. to pay attention. 
um you'll miss some stuff because Kerry's going so why are they saying that so why are they doing this and i'm like oh if you if you stop looking at your phone no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just death stared me um <laughs> Yeah, so Rabbit Hole is a hundred percent absolutely watch it. If you've got Paramount Plus, get on that show. Um, it's, it's out every single Sunday. It's great. Um, I think it's about to finish. Actually, I don't know if it's a six episode or an eight episode, but uh, we just watched five, and it sounded like it's going to an end. But we'll see. Um, other than that, man, not a whole lot. Rhiannon, obviously, doing a lot of Rhiannon. Um, I mentioned. Uh, past couple of episodes that I was doing something in my personal life that I was obviously couldn't speak about at the time, but I'm now no longer doing that. So um, I am staying right where I am. Uh, so yeah, it's all good. Um, but yeah, dude, literally uh, I've got some stuff coming next week, but I literally took the time to chill. Like I didn't even do any razor's edge stuff. I just relaxed and it was great. Don't blame you to be fair. It was nice. It was nice. Having it. it was weird. It was nice having a break from doing any recording. But at the same time, I missed it so fucking much. Like I've been buzzing yeah, all day for this tonight. I've been like, come on. I've been so excited. I know. Oh god, I've missed you. Yeah, I missed you too, you little fuck. Um but we've just had we just had an absolutely unbelievable meeting with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. And uh, this is gonna be a very big year. Um, this is gonna be a very big year. So we're really excited um to get on that to be, you know, working alongside them this year. Um yeah, things just seem to be ticking over quite nicely. Uh, we've got some fucking huge interviews next week. It's just, it, it seems like the train never stops. And I love it. It's amazing. I just feel I missed off. I, I've watched a few things since I've come back as well. Um, took the kids to go see the new Super Mario Brothers movie. Fuck me, it's one of the best movies I've ever watched in my damn life. I was so excited for this film. I'm such a huge child. We know this. I've been so excited for this film. I think I enjoyed it more than the kids. Like and Jack Black, we all know the man's a hero, but that song, that Peaches song, is literally the best thing in the world. <laughs> See, I have I've not listened to it because I haven't seen the film yet, so I want to watch the film first before I enjoy it. That's what I did. Yeah, I've heard it's hit the top one hundred in the U- US. Yeah, it's going to be huge. I reckon it could get up there with one of the biggest openings. Like, it's not far off hitting that top where like Avengers and Avatar and stuff are. It's getting close, so, and it's not even open in Japan yet, apparently. I did um, have a little stroll on the old, I think it was either Instagram or TikTok yesterday and discovered, I know I'm very late to the party, so before people get on my ass, Adam and the Metal Hawks. And mm. I saw a video um, where it's like, come and get Jack Black to duet with us. And he just goes like, Rah! and he starts seeing Kickapoo and Jack Black does the whole <laughs> like thing and then just joins in. And it was just amazing. And that man can do no wrong. Did you nope. see his bow- Bowser suit at the opening of the movie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's amazing. Jack, Jack Black is going to become the new David Attenborough. Oh, could like, you imagine? Like national treasure, but he's going to become the world's national treasure, not just the UK or US. I like that. So that's oh, how I feel about him, because I don't actually know anybody in this entire world that doesn't like him. It's not possible to dislike Jack Black. It is absolutely impossible to not like him. He's yeah. amazing. I I agree. But oh, no. um, oh and also I was going to say also twenty four season nine episode nine. I'm so close to the end. And by the way, why isn't Stephen Fry our prime minister? Well, yeah, there is that. There <laughs> is that. Why isn't that a thing? 
I'm trying. I'm trying to think where you are. Um, because there's some sick episodes up at that point. Yeah, it's, it's been really good. I'm really, it's really good. I'm kind of gutted it's only half a season. You yeah, know, it's, it's amazing. And the, the end of the last episode, there was like a, one of those little plot twist bombs. And I was like, come on, I need to know what like, happens now. Come on. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, like the head of the CIA awesome. is invo- involved in this. And they didn't, we didn't know who was involved in this. Like, mm. oh, yeah, it's, it's fucking good. I'm, I'm gutted at the same time because I've only got, what, three episodes left now? Nine, ten. 11, 12, four episodes left, sorry. Oh, I can't believe I had to work that on my fingers. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I don't want it to end. I haven't even decided what I'm going to watch next yet, so it's going to be, yeah. Probably four again. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah, just start again. Okay. Actually, no, I do know what I'm going to watch next, so I'll, I'll date that when we get there. Rabbit hole. I do want to watch that. I need to get Paramount Plus. So yes, are we all caught up, sir? No. Oh, no. Before we do move on. It's time for story time with Tom. Yes. I brought a brand new story this week, uh, which was all about the fake death of Craig Charles. What? So, are you ready for this? I am now. This was a bit of a Twitter war between, I think she's a politician called Rosemary Nuffield and Helen Weatherhead. Rosemary Nuffield thought that Craig Charles Charles had died. This is what ensued. <laughs> Rosemary, R.I.P. Craig. My ex-husband shouted smeghead once at you in the street. You did not take too kindly to it, but still, I'm very sad that you've died. Absolute icon. Helen Weatherhead. Um, I'm sitting right next to him, Rosemary. He's definitely still with us. Rosemary. I'm sorry, but I'm not, not sure I can trust you on this. Just a stranger on the internet. I'll stick to what I know for now. Helen, uh, at BBC Radio 6, link. He's on. He's live on air right now, so no need to worry. <laughs> Rosemary, doesn't really prove you're sitting next to him, in my opinion. Let's just agree to disagree. <laughs> John, John gets involved. <laughs> John, at Craig Charles Funkin' Soul. Someone thinks you might have died, mate. You might want to let her know you're safe and well. <laughs> Rosemary. Very insensitive to do this so soon. Not sure the interns who run his account would know yet. <laughs> Guess who then pipes up? Please tell me it's Craig Charles. Craig, Craig Charles. Yes! <laughs> Rosemary, I'm here. I'm still alive. Can't you hear me? I'm alive. <laughs> Help! <laughs> Rosemary. Oh, thank Christ, Craig. I should be having words with my sources. Also, it's spelled R-O-S-M-A-R-Y. No E. <laughs> I'm amazed she didn't go, I don't trust this. This could be anyone using your Twitter account. Absolutely incredible. I just stumbled across it and was like, <laughs> that's going in the show. That's fucking amazing. I love how stupid people are. Uh, and Jamie, <laughs> that, I believe we're all caught up, sir. Oh, okay, brilliant. I suppose we should uh, check in with Mr. Stay Cozy then, shouldn't we? All right. Is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody. This is Braden Barry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing. Your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorsh, Mickey. That's right, folks. And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring... The Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch. Hosted by Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like you! 
you can get 10% off, man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, The Chronicles, at checkout. Oh, boy. I'll say it again. I've said it once, even, and I'll say it again. Believe I that up. Jesus Christ, I just go to bed. Um, greatest advert ever. Absolutely. And Jamie. Yes, sir. He's been away for quite some time. <gasps> and now he's back. Yes. It's time for Callum's Treachings. Yes. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you in Callum's Treachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. Callum is back once again to treach the nation. I eat the world, I suppose. So, Jamie. Yes. What is Callum Trichiners this week? People love the uniqueness of snowflakes, but potatoes are equally unique and no one cares. <laughs> what are they? I suppose, of course they are. Because <laughs> they can do fucking everything, potatoes. You eat them in so many different ways. We talked about this a few weeks ago on the show, I swear. We did, yeah, we did. Yeah. Um. I suppose because snowflakes are so fucking intricate and the fact that it falls out the sky, do you know what I mean? Like, no one no one actually handles that in any way, shape or form. It just falls out, out of the sky and everyone's like, fuck! Potatoes grow like, in the ground! Is there going to some little old nanny up in the sky like, shit, knitting, quick, fucking hell, yes, yes, God, yes, God, all right, I'm going, I'm going as fast as I can. <laughs> all over the world, are you mental? <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, potatoes are worshipped in so many ways. I, I feel like he's right. We are missing out on celebrating their uniqueness because every potato is beautiful. So, I don't know why some sort of hymn came into my head, but I can't sing because I don't know what I was on about, but it just came into my head. Like... Every potato's beautiful. That sort of thing, yeah. <laughs> that's every sperm is sacred for Monty Python. That's not a hymn. Oh, that's what I don't know what head. that is. <laughs> If a sperm is wasted, God gets quite irate. Um, <laughs> I fucking love potatoes. They are amazing, though. Baked potato, chips, french fries, crisps, fucking mashed potato. I still rice. want potato croquet since the last time we thought about oh, potatoes on the show. Croquets, oh, waffles, <laughs> smiley faces. Just, oh. Brown, brown sauce all over the place. You're winning. You're living. You're apart from obviously mash. You need gravy for that, wow. um, or baked potato. I like to put butter and chicken tikka sandwich feather in it. Ooh, good shame. Oh my god, Jamie! The way I make baked potato, I need to make you my jacket potatoes at some point. I Have I like made that. it for you before? No. Have I, I not? So. So. They take like, like over an hour. I feel like a future audience participation needs to be your favorite jacket potato topping. That does that's sound a conversation. That, that is that's a good gonna conversation. go in the notes. <laughs> Thanks, Callum. Thank you, mate. <laughs> Cheers. You're inspiring me. <laughs> uh, but we shall move on, Jamie. What else on. is Callum Trichiners this week? Pooing your pants is something that's uniquely for the human species. That I mean, why is it? Why are we talking about uniqueness all of a sudden? I, it's great though. Why, why? Why, Callum? I need to know why. I just love the fact that poo conversations have now happened twice. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, Jamie. There was one time I thought I was safe. I was, um, 
at home. This is 2010. This is right before I went to Download Festival when I worked for the, the for Sony and for Sanctum Hotels and did all those massive festivals. And uh, I was at home and I was like, oh, I need, I need to fart. So as you do, I just went, that's going to be great this, and completely shit my pants. <laughs> and I was like, that's the last time it happened. That's 2010. That's, what, 13 years ago? It's good innings. But it, it's one of those things where you go, what? Do you know what it's like? It's it like completely threw, took me by surprise. It's a, do you know what I mean? It was like fucking, I was like chucking grenades. <laughs> what that? I did that. I did that. <laughs> it was mental. I was, <laughs> and then I, and my, luckily, my friend Rick was a bit at the time, and I'd run to the toilet and obviously gone, ah, oh, bollocks. I can't come back out in these. <laughs> Because I only had I only had my shorts, so I was like, "Mate, could you bring me some boxes and shorts, please?" <laughs> and he was like, "What's why?" I was like, "Can you just bring them to the to the toilet, please, if you don't mind? That'll be grand, thank you." <laughs> no further questions, Your Honour. Just bring me. Some. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was not pleasant, but yeah. Why is it unique? Because we're the only species on the planet that wears pants. <laughs> but cows sh- their tails in the back of their legs, and sheep do. Yeah, but it's not their pants. We're the only species that shit their pants. That's... I suppose some people put monkeys in clothes, but I don't think that really counts. I don't know why people put fucking animals in clothes. <laughs> Grow up. Um, you know, it's got a fucking coat already. Why are you putting another one on? <laughs> How about the dogs like fucking I'm boiling Sharon? What, what are you doing to me? Can you fucking get this coat off? I've already got one on already and it's attached. I love it. People are like, I brought him a coat because we shaved him. So now he's cold. Well, don't fucking shave him then. Not bad. Yeah, the only the only animal I would I, I would in my opinion, you know, just from my perspective, you know, that that I, I was about to say that I would allow. <laughs> I don't run the world. Um is Sphinx cats. Yeah, that's fair. I, I go with that. They, so, they don't have a choice in the matter. They're bald. They're, they're gorgeous cats though. Um no, they feel just so it's lush. They're just lovely. Um like a massive ball sack. Anyway, that's so they look um, like a ball bag, they look like a cat. The last time I checked, they were definitely they weren't just two balls walking around. <laughs> I <met this>, yeah. <laughs> oh like a like, like a scrotum sack. I mean uh, it's like a, a cat shaped scrotum. Um anyway, this is a weird comment. This is taking a weird turn. This treat really stuck, got me thinking rather than actually trying to make a joke out of it. And I was just a bit like... Yeah, Not really I've, philosophical about like shitting yourself. I, yeah, I've, I've really spoiled the fun there, boys and girls. Sorry about that. Let's uh, let's hit the <laughs> final one up and see what happens. And finally, Jamie, what is Talon Treachiness this week? It's common knowledge that two negatives create a positive. So it's a real shame that if a bad person meets another bad person, they don't create good people. Oh, that's philosophical. Don't. I can't make a joke like that either. That's no. nuts. <laughs> He's very right, which basically means, people, don't be a dick. Don't be a bad yeah. person. Don't be a dick. <laughs> I don't get why people need to be like, you know, kids Kids are fucking horrific as well. Like Kids at school and stuff, there's just no need for it. Kids are absolutely yeah. disgusting. You know, you just... I read a story uh, recently that it was in the Wales Online. I think Wales Online is just full of bullshit anyway. Local news is terrible. But um, it was like, my son gets shit because I called him Thor. It's like, there's loads of kids called Thor and Loki now because of Marvel. It's, lo- it's like, oh, no, but I did it for my Norwegian heritage. It's like, no, you fucking didn't. 
<laughs> it's like, oh, but my kid's going to get bullied. And it's like, well, why would I don't understand the world? Kids will take the piss out of absolutely anything and everything they can because they're kids and it's what they do. Yep. So, you know, don't be an asshole, obviously. Don't fucking encourage them to be pricks. But, you know, I don't know. I suppose it's because obviously kids are like when they're young, 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 they're like real thick skinned, and then obviously that wears away loads as they get as oh, they God, get turn yeah. to teenagers and stuff, and everything's fucking affecting them then. Um it's just the way you deal with that, I suppose. But this isn't only for people to be arseholes in this world, really, to be honest with you, Jamie. No, not at all. I suppose if two arseholes are coming together, then at least they're staying away from the positive people. Just go fuck off and hang out in a negative corner because we don't need you. Go away. Yeah. Go and play in a bush or something. Um, you know, we don't need you. And... But yeah, that's that's I, I, that's quite a nice way to end, actually. I didn't want to... I don't. Oh, I kind of don't want to like, poke fun at yeah. it. Yeah, it's quite a nice... Thanks, Callum. You've got us really thinking this week, so thank you very much. Uniqueness and assholes. Yeah, your obsession with poo worries me sometimes, but there we are. Um, <laughs> your massive obsession with igloo Jamie. I just don't get it. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still getting over the idea that that's a thing, okay? I think that's mental. Um, <laughs> I, I'd rather go planking. Than iglooing. I would rather do most things than iglooing. Thank you very I'd much. rather do the ice bucket challenge again than do. Oh, God, that was horrible. Some of the trends that are out now, man, are mental. I don't I don't want to kink shame. Kink shaming's not good, but iglooing, you need to reflect on yourself. That's not normal. I would, <laughs> it's just not for those that are unaware, iglooing is where you have a shit, you freeze it, and then fuck yourself with it. Yeah, very much. Or someone else. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just a bit. Is it into a condom or something like that? I think so. Yeah, shit into a condom. Yeah, into a condom, freeze it, and use it as a dildo. What a wonderful world we live in. That's a thing. Yeah. Thanks, Jess. Really appreciate <laughs> yeah. your insight there <laughs> on the on the old Twitter. Their former guest, Jess Wild, sex expert and shagging the aunt and stuff like that. So I really <laughs> appreciate your uh, your input there for iglooing. Interesting. Your first ever one million. Watched video. Yeah, and it has to be fucking yeah. iglooing. All the great advice this woman gives out, and it has to be iglooing. But get to anyway, that. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Yes, please, we? let's. I don't let's know iglooing anymore. Get to my absolutely bolstered segment. Time for Tom's journal. And welcome to another edition of Tom's journal. Jamie. I'm really sick of magical worlds with no technology. I want fairy-run coffee shops where you can get a latte with a shot of charisma because you've got a big presentation you're worried about or witches working at Apple selling phones that automatically appear in your pocket if you've accidentally left it somewhere or psychics running hair salons who always know how you want your hair to look or aura reader therapists. I just really want normalised magic in modern society. That is a fantastic idea. Why isn't that a thing? Why isn't there a movie or something on that? Because that could be amazing to watch for a kids' film. Like a kids' film, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why isn't this a thing? I especially love the haircut one because I always find it really hard to describe to the barber what I want, even though it's probably really simple. I always, I never know how art, how to articulate myself. So if you could just go, got yeah, <laughs> be great. Because your mum, that feels like. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's where you use scissors and not a Bic razor. Okay. I don't use a Bic razor, but yeah. Um, <laughs> must be nice sitting. I, I mean, I, I, I lie. I go, I go through my beard cut. So yeah, but um, yeah. You keep I your cap on when you go in and they're like, do you want your head done? And he's like, nope. <laughs> Uh, no, I just take my hat off because obviously they have to get to ah, the other side. Yeah, I just take it all off, not all of it, um, <laughs> and just be like, do what you will. Um, or the last guy I had, I was like, don't take too much off. And then he left my mustache. I was like, are you not, are you not doing my mustache? I thought that came with it. Like, that's, this is like really long. And I was just like nice and short and clean. And I was like, who the fuck wants that? Anyway, that's besides the point. Um, right, Jamie, not to brag or anything, right? But I, I can forget what I'm doing while I'm doing it. Oh, yeah. So can I. <laughs> why am I here? I've done that so many times. I've walked into a room and forgotten why the fuck I've walked into said room. It's so many times. It's always at the back of the house. You go way back down the stairs, back into the kitchen where it's marked the first away, and you go, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was it. I've, I've had, like, walked out of the bathroom, Becky shouted upstairs, could you grab this for me? And then I've just come down the stairs and because I've forgotten within half a second what she just asked me to do. Because, yeah, I'm an idiot. I wouldn't say that. I'm forgetful. This is a text conversation I found. So, when do you want to come over? How about 4.23? That's very specific. Any particular reason you want that time? Well, if you think about it, any time is a specific time. Four o'clock is a specific time too. So it's no more specific than any other time. That's a very good point. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to start giving really random numbers times now. Yeah, do it. Just fucking do it. We'll be there at 9.49. I'm going to email guests. Or like, what time do you want to be? Uh, 8.01 and 30 seconds, please. Please do not do that. I won't. I Obviously, I'm not going to do that. murder you if you do that. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I love that in the back of your mind, you're like, I don't trust him. He's going to do it. I've got my eye on you. And <laughs> I personally think, Jamie, that Cinderella should live a happy life with all her animal friends rather than settling for a man who has to try a shoe on her because he didn't recognize her without makeup on. <laughs> the problem with some of these early Disney movies, they're fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> It made no sense. Like, I, like the Little Mermaid, she got her voice taken from her, so she doesn't talk. Write it the fuck down, Ariel, you moron. Underwater. I mean, when she's on land, when she's got legs, uh, that's when she can't talk. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> don't know. I don't know. I fucking don't know. I haven't got kids, mate. <laughs> doesn't care as much Disney movies. I mean. She tries, bless her, but obviously <laughs> with the TV hog around, it's kind of difficult. <laughs> um, I need to watch AW, I've not watched AW, I need to watch WWE after, and then maybe progress. Could you... right. It's going to take about four weeks, which means I'll have <laughs> yeah. four weeks backed up, so you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> the TV's <laughs> Um Things I have in common with an avocado. Are you ready for this? Not what I expected you to say. If I'm just on my own, I'm pretty bland. I swing drastically and unpredictably from too hard to too soft. I'm pleasant for only a very brief window of time. I'm often found with chips. 
don't expect that last one. <laughs> that last one was so stupid, but really amused me. <sighs> I want to. I want to end this, but I don't want to end this one. This one's fucking amazing. But I'm going to give you a couple more after, then we'll crack on because you know. But still, this is one of my favourite journal entries I've ever found in my life, okay? Okay. I really hope I don't fuck it now. Picked up my son from karate. I was karate, son. It's really good. Fuck all, you know, fuck all, son. Those of you that so listen to this show, you need stupid. you need to buy the YouTube for just for that moment. <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> I thought I thought I was superb. <laughs> oh, well, I'm absolutely sweated now. That's so good. So good. Which one of my kids did karate now? Because it on the thing it says karate chops to the throat, and then it says fuck all. You've learned fuck all, son. <laughs> no, that you do the actions if... of what? Oh, so <laughs> but I can't just read that out. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that was great. I really like that one. <laughs> you, I think you're really going to enjoy this one as well. <sighs> Jamie, when Neil Armstrong was pondering what his first words on the lunar surface would be during the Apollo 11 landing. Command module pilot Michael Collins jokingly suggested, if you had any balls, Neil, you'd say, oh my God, what is that thing? Scream, and then cut your microphone off. <laughs> Imagine if you did. <laughs> oh, he would be remembered forever if he'd done that. It's because wasn't it broadcast on like national TV as well? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it would be so good. That would have been amazing, wouldn't it? Rather than one small step for man. <laughs> Just a, what the fuck is that? I pushed the camera over and I got the static all that stuff. That was so fucking amazing. <laughs> Should have done it. Should have done it. <sighs> Changing your duvet cover. Remember, use your energy sparingly. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Make sure you stay hydrated and don't panic. Is that a fitted sheet or a loose fitted sheet? I didn't say. Just duvet Ooh. cover your melon. Oh, I, ju- I just took it as the whole bed situation. The duvet cover. The, I hated the duvet cover. I've, I've mastered the art of it now, but I used to hate doing it. I always used to climb inside like as a fucking ghost. I found that in the easiest way, but I don't anymore. I like how anything I say now that is remotely stupid, I just get. A, of course you did. <laughs> It's not even a surprise anymore. It's... Yeah, you did. <laughs> yes, shame you for you. That's how it is. <laughs> I don't know how I should, if I should be insulted or not. So, never, never. That's who you are. That's who you are, my friend. Anyway, I'm going to end on this little conversation between the wife and a husband. Okay? Okay. Wife, did you just finish the ice cream? 
I was just at the store. I would have bought more if you told me. Husband. Oh, weird. No, nah, must have been the kids. Wife. Which one? The two-year-old or the one who can't hold her head up yet? <laughs> Husband. Nothing. Wife. Nothing. Husband. It was the two-year... Wife, I'm going to bed. <laughs> It's the sort of shit I do. Of course it is. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and that was another edition of Tom's Journal. Oh, what a fantastic journal. I have missed those. Oh. The karate, the karate one. Still kicking, and the that's one. That's all yeah. kicking over the karate one still. <laughs> well whilst you're having a little old giggle to yourself Jim, should we bring the piece in oh we definitely should bring that piece in uh, the piece of resistance welcome to the chronicles of Jamie Arthur the uh, gold trunks and struck gold in the Commonwealth Games back in uh, Manchester 2002 yeah it was actually a phenomenal performance by Jamie Arthur to take the gold Jamie Arthur is a former professional boxer who is now a professional boxing trainer. He represented Wales at the Commonwealth Games in 2002, winning the country's first gold in over 40 years. That is absolutely incredible. This is unlike any conversation we've ever had. We've not spoken to anyone like this in 80 plus episodes. So this is really unique for us and it's fantastic. It's Superb. I want to give a massive shout out to Carrie Jones for setting this one up for me. I work with her at the moment, so uh, they happen to be neighbours. So uh, lovingly set us up, which is great. Uh, this is an amazing conversation. Like it's really unique funness on in terms of uniqueness. This this uh, this episode, um, this edition, should I say? Uh, so yeah, you're gonna enjoy this one. Enjoy the ride. Uh, it's massively inspirational. And uh, Jamie's a one of a kind character. Uh, and I think you're all gonna love it. So, Jimmy, yes, sir. Any final words at all? Just a massive thank you for James taking the time out and talking to us. This was so much fun. And as Tom said, it's really inspirational. I did want to say to the people watching this and listening to this, Jamie did have some connection issues. So there's a bit of freezing. There's a bit of lagging going on with his video and whatnot. I've done my best on the old editing to make it run smoothly. But just in case you're watching it and thinking, as my fucking YouTube froze, it hasn't. Okay, there's no problems on your end. But there we are. Jamie, thank you for taking the time to sit and chat with us, my friends. Uh, we look forward to doing it again in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week, it's Jamie Arthur. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, Jamie. I really appreciate it massively. Obviously, Carrie put us in touch. So, um, she was like, do you want to speak to the Welsh Commonwealth gold medalist from 2002? I was like, you know what? Yes, I do. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate you. Yeah. So all that really happens is um, my colleague, Jamie, here is going to do a quick introduction uh, just to like lure you into a fossil security, make you feel quite at home and comfortable. And then basically what we're going to do is actually bombard the living shit out of your questions. How does that sound? Fucking perfect. Yeah. Perfect. That's what we're doing. Right, let's do my little introduction. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this week we bring you a guest unlike anyone we've ever had on the show before. Today's guest is a former boxer who competed at Commonwealth Games in 2002, winning Wales its first gold in over 40 years. He has the best first name ever. And as weird as it sounds, is a Scotsman with the most Welsh accent you could ever hear. Everyone join me as we welcome you to the Chronicles of Jamie Arthur. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Yeah, let's, let's, I'm going to pick a few bones just quickly, Jamie, because I'm also, I also hail from Aberdeen, Scotland. I'm also from that town, but I have an English accent because <laughs> um, my dad was in the RAF and that's so I moved here. There. I lived in Germany for like 12 years, then came to England and that sort of crap. Yeah. And I'm obviously, and I'm in Wales, but why being Scottish, do you do fight for Wales? I'm just curious. So yeah, my both parents are Welsh. They was born in Aberfoyle. Um, my dad worked on that oil rig uh, up in Aberdeen from, I believe, 1978. My parents moved up there so my dad could work on the oil rigs. Yeah, and then I was born in 1979, and then we moved back down from Scotland when I was six years old. My dad always used to say, "If a dog's born in a barn, it doesn't necessarily make it a horse." Yeah, that was my dad's <laughs> thing. I think that's a pretty cool thing, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Like I said, we moved up there, so my dad worked on the oil rigs. Uh, moved back down when I was six, so back to, back to our beloved Welsh homeland. Okay, fair enough. I mean, because my parents are English, but I was born yeah. in Scotland, but I do it the other way around. I Because I, I was born there, I, I class myself as Scottish, not English, because my parents. Yeah. Just, How long was you up there? How long was you up uh, there? A year, and then I went to Germany. Oh, okay, right, okay. Dad is in the RAF, so we've moved yeah. a lot. <laughs> and what's on your passport? Uh, Scotland, Scottish. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm British, not mine, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, same yeah. thing, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's all, yeah. No, fair, fair enough. I just, just, want to, just want to clear the air before we get started, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to a fellow Scotsman, yeah? Judge the cool. Um, but how have the last few years been obviously with the pandemic and everything how was, how was your pandemic season shall we say oh mate I've had, I've had an absolute torrid couple of years um, yeah on a personal scale like I say I've just been through a divorce which dragged out for two years uh, cost me £105,000 in legal fees um, yeah my, my father died uh, medical cancer cancer scares um so much happened in such a short period of time that over the two years it just really gave us a bit of a battering you know so really give me a different spin on life so sometimes you take you take life a little bit for granted yeah so when you're actually in a situation where shit really hits a fan yeah and then you've got to really dig deep to be able to get yourself into a position that you didn't really put yourself into you know sometimes especially because I, I got well I got an elderly mother now, she's 84 years old, and my father unfortunately passed away um, January the 1st, uh, not, uh, 2021. So it was just like a, a roller coaster. So many different hap things happening, and it just had like a bit of a snowball effect. So yeah, we had a tough two years just trying to get through everything, obviously, the, the legal aspects of the, the divorce and what have you, and just get myself into a position where I could just get over the, the turmoil that was happening. So yeah, it's it's been quite quite chaotic, but we're here, we're surviving, we're smiling as I always am, and we're back kicking ass again. 
That's amazing. I'm so sorry to hear that, though. That is yeah. horrendous. I'm, that's horrific. Well, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Yeah, but as you're going to see with guys, so as we go through this conversation, you're going to you're going to find out different things that, like I said, nobody really knows or has been indulged with. And yeah, it's just let's say, unfortunately, unfortunately, with regards to people and conversations, people don't quite know what's beneath the surface of things, you know, because like I say, we always get into a situation where everybody just assumes that everything's a-okay and life's good, but then when you actually indulge it and they see there's a lot more behind the actual facade that what's going on, then you can actually see that uh, everybody has our own struggles and we've all got a lot to get through. And that's why I got different sayings. I, as you'll hear throughout the, the, the conversation tonight, uh, it's nice to be nice because we never know what somebody's going on behind closed doors. Yeah. Exactly that. Exactly that, my friend. But the most important thing is, as you said, you come out the other side of it, you're smiling, you're happy, you're still kicking ass. And that's the most important thing to take away from that. It's beautiful to hear. Yeah. You know, right. so that's beautiful to see. But take us back, sir. Take us to, back to the days when you were a young wee lad. What did young Master Arthur want to be when he's growing up? Was it always in the world of fight and stunt, or was it, something, I don't know, train driver? Yeah, I know, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> Like, well, as I just said, like, I was born in Scotland. I moved down from Scotland when I was six years old. Um, I moved to a place called Cumbran. So it was quite a rough area, plenty of drink, drugs, crime. Um, my both parents, because like my mother was 40 when she had me, uh, my dad was 46. So it was at the stage where they had to work all the time because my dad worked in the steelworks. So we were doing 18 hour shifts. My mum had two jobs as a cleaner, cleaner in the morning, cleaner at night. And then I got my sister then, who was six years older than me. So pretty much um, in the evenings after school, she would be the one who'd be my guardian. Yeah, and being like six years older than me, she was hanging around with not so great kids, if you like. Um, and the only reason why I started boxing is because my neighbours, I had one neighbour next door to me, the Applebee's, and I had another neighbour just across the glass from me, the Goffs, both big families. And uh, probably three years older than me at the time, and just bullied me and give me shit every day, you know. And like I was short Scottish, and I spoke like Lasby Nesbit. Yeah, so as you can imagine, I'm quite an easy target for people. Yeah, so and these guys who was big families, you know, five, well, four brothers in one family, um, five brothers in the other family, and just just horrible, horrible men. And like I say, from a young age, I was just, I was being tortured and picked on, um, called names. Um, yeah, my, my football stole, my bike stolen, just a target all the time. And fortunately enough, there was a boxing gym run by another gentleman who's unfortunately, God rest his soul, he's passed away now, Chris Manley. Um, he lived just opposite me and he was running the boxing gym, which is just up in the, the local uh, woods just behind my school. And... That's pretty much why I started boxing, just so I could try and defend myself against the, the bullies that was uh, giving me shit. And I think from a young age, because I had learned how to defend myself, boxing, was a, which was a way that I could only see that I was going to be, um, well, it was just something that I was sort of forced into. And because I wasn't very educational, because my, um, you know, to be able to excel in anything else, Boxing was the, but probably about the only way of escape that I could uh, use to be able to get ahead in life. Was it, you started when you were really, was it nine when you started, I believe I read? Nine. Yeah, nine years old. I started at nine and then I fit, had my first fight on January the 17th, 
1990, I believe. So I was literally, well, I was, my birthday is December the 17th. So a month after I had my first fight at 10 years old. That's mad. I got, I got, I got videos of it. The fight lasted about 20 seconds against a boy called Robert Shepard from uh, Chelsea. I gotta be honest, when you're looking at it, like I said, big mop of ginger hair. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even reach the top ropes. I was absolutely strong. <laughs> and I just come out like a windmill. But like I said, when, it, when you've got that much, um, I've been picked on from such a young age all the time that when I actually got a situation where I got the chance to be able to let myself go and excel and try to achieve something, there was no stopping me. Yeah, so. The worst thing in the world is actually coming out of the ring and losing, yeah. Because it's it's like I'd already been given shit all my life, yeah. So the last thing I want to do is go in front of people in front of in these clothes in these shows is probably 250, 300 people, yeah. So to be able to lose in front of a social club of people that are drunk and cheering and yeah, like I say, I am yeah. From a young age, I got on a stage where I never, I didn't like losing. I can imagine Did you always picture. The bullies as well when you were fighting. Uh, no, 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 you fighting obviously because then the with that two sounds remind me more. Sorry, guys. Yeah, no, no, when we're fighting obviously when you're fighting somebody, you're at the stage of what you got to do is it, the way I look at fighting even now. You know, it's a it's more of a, a game. It's not um, it's not emotion. I'm not I'm not emotionally looking at somebody and I'm I'm trying to hurt that person. You know, like I can, I can box now, I'm 43 years old, I can box now, look at somebody's feet and hit them in the head because I don't want to see the reaction on their face when I when I punch them. So when I was fighting, it was always just a case of just just trying to hit them more times than they hit me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's the name of the game. Yeah. Like I say, there's no, there's no animosity, there's no horribleness about it. It is just a case of just getting in there and just, just winning at all costs. How long were you doing it before you went, I actually want to do something with this. I, this is, I'd like to dedicate my life to this craft and this sport. How long were you doing it before that sort of moment hit you? How old are you now, Jane? I'm 36 now. Oh, it's um, <laughs> at somebody getting into it 36, yeah, probably the wrong sport to do because you now boxing is the most unnatural thing in the world, right? Our natural reaction and instinct is when we're being attacked or hit is to retreat okay mm. um, because i was doing it at such a young age i've gone past that retreating stage so i can learn how to um act in the moment yeah um boxing's an amazing way for yourself to be able to just get fit learn how to box enjoy the aspects of it but i wouldn't say take it too seriously because at 36 it's a little bit too late to start um i probably started when i was oh i was probably fight as in the gym, I went about six months before I had my first fight. Yeah, so that gave me, like I say, enough time to be able to just learn and be able to get in there and windmill shots as a 10-year-old against another little kid. Yeah, because that's pretty much all it is when you first start. And when you see a lot of these white-collar fights, a lot of these gentlemen are getting to the ring and, like, they haven't been trained correctly, but all they try to do is just get in there and just throw lots and lots of shots. And that's pretty much the same aspect. So, yeah, about six months. But as a kid, slightly different to a an older gentleman. You were a, a decent footballer growing up, I read. You played for Wales at schoolboy level. I did, my friend, yes. I actually went to America playing football. Um, did you? 
I did, yeah, I did. So yeah, the, um, I went to field comprehensive school, and when I was fourteen, so I, I, I believe two thousand four, I believe, yeah. Um, basically, we won the Welsh Cup. We won uh, a couple of uh, big tournaments in English league as well. So we got the opportunity to go and represent Wales out in America. So it was like a mini World Cup. But even though in our country we was pretty shit hot, right? When we got out, out to America. Obviously, you're talking about the Argentinians and Mexicans. Even the American girls, they were special. <laughs> yeah, they were special, man. So, like I say, it was just a totally different level to the to the level that we were playing at and winning at. Yeah, but I've got to be absolutely honest. The reason why I was quite good at football, because I played centre midfield, is because I was so fit and tenacious that I was willing to get into everybody. And I had a fitness. <laughs> To be able to, um, yeah, uh, defend and attack. So I was never a scorer, but I was always something that was, I would be like a, uh, Roy Keane, I suppose, that sort of thing, where I was just an aggressive little bastard. Yeah. So, that's <laughs> that. So, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed football. And it came to the stage that I had to make a choice between football and boxing because. Training was on the same night, and my training night for boxing was Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, seven o'clock for all my life. Yeah, so, and then on the weekends, then I'd be uh, going to the competitions where it'd be Friday night and the Saturday night as well. So, when I was playing football on the Saturday day, uh, and if I got an injury, or if I got a bump, or if I was just tired, then I couldn't perform in boxing in the evening. Yeah, so my, my, Chris, uh, my trainer, Chris Manley, asked me to make the decision so, what do you want to do? Do you want to box or do you want to play football? Sometimes I wish I'd played football because I would have earned a shitload of cash. But you know, I chose boxing, and to be honest, I've done okay. You know, I won nine Welsh titles, Commonwealth Games gold medal, uh, Commonwealth professional title, Welsh professional title, and I boxed for the British title three times. So from a short little ginger kid from Scotland living in Wales, it started just because he was getting bullied. That's not uh, a bad achievement, really. No, not at all. Not at all, my friend. <laughs> Hell of a story to tell. Uh, obviously, which is why we're here. So, yeah, <laughs> I appreciate the time, man. Like I say, it's uh, it's good to be able to get the, the story out to people because, like I say, a lot of people don't understand how people either get into boxing or you know the story behind how people get to where they are. You know, because, like I say, it's uh, yeah, there's always a deep story to every person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so obviously, you were selected to represent, like as we've mentioned, Wales in the Commonwealth Games in 2002 in Manchester. Um, how did that actually happen? How did that actually come about? Yeah, it's quite a mad story, actually. I won't go into why. Um, basically, as I said earlier, I was in a, a, I grew up in quite a rough area in Cumberland. Um, so from a young age, there was drink, drugs, uh, crime. And in 2000, about well, 2000, I think it was 2000, um, I got sent to prison. Okay, so yeah. I did, yeah. So while I was in prison, um, I had an affirmation. This is going to sound crazy. I had an affirmation um, that I was going to win a Commonwealth Games gold medal. <laughs> this sounds crazy, but it's, it's exactly as it was. And I, I had a dream that I was going to win a Commonwealth Games gold medal. So I wasn't in the Welsh boxing team. Um, I, Like I said, I, I wasn't uh, selected to go to the Commonwealth Games or, or any part of Welsh boxing at the time. Um, because like I say, I'd gone through a stage of where um, I just had my boy, I was in and out of um, trouble a lot, 
um, yeah, I got sent to prison while I was there at the affirmation. In prison, I was telling everybody, I'm going to win Commonwealth Games Got Medal. And obviously, as you can imagine, people were just like, what the fuck? Hey, how can this happen? <laughs> Quite crazy. But, but I don't know. It's just something that just, just spurred me on. There was another gentleman in there at the time called Jason Cook. He was in the press guard with me as well. And Jason Cook, I got, a, uh, one, I got out on December the 19th. 2021. Um, he got it a little bit before me. I won the um, Commonwealth Games gold medal in May, May the 5th, I believe. Um, on May the 6th, he went over to Italy and knocked out the Italian champion and won the European title as well. So myself, with regards to me in prison, come out, won a Commonwealth Games gold medal and the first one since Howard Winston in 1958. And then Jason come out, sorry, Gents, new something I was upset, and he came out and he went and won the European title as well. So yeah, pretty much like I say, while I was in prison, I had an affirmation I was going to win it. Told everybody I was going to win it. When I come out of prison, December the nineteenth, Welsh Championships were on in January because that's what you had to do. You had to go to the Welsh Championships and win the Welsh title in order to be even selected to go to the Commonwealth Games. Okay, so I had my first fight in the prelims in January with a tag on my leg. Okay, because it was a Saturday afternoon, so I got drawn against the reigning four. Well, I think it was four-year Welsh champion Jamie Evans. He was the the one that was always selected. He was going to come come off games. So my first fight against him in January with my tag on my leg, beat him, and then went on to win three other fights then to win the Welsh title. The two, so I was the 2002 Welsh boxing champion. Then got selected then represent Wales at the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, so the affirmation while I was in prison to, to that I was going to come out and win a Commonwealth Games gold medal, that was the, the, the start of it. Yeah, um, got selected to go to the British Championships, went over to Ireland, uh, lost in the first round against a Scottish boy called Mark Hasty, and he'll come up in a little while when we go on to the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, so like I said, become Welsh champion, got selected to go to the Commonwealth Games, then Went over to the British Championships, only won a bronze medal, and then yeah, that's how that's how the the quest for the Commonwealth Games started was by that affirmation in in prison, and yeah, that's what that's what made my journey for Commonwealth Games gold medalist. <laughs> as mad as that sounds, nuts. <laughs> crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. Honestly. While I was in prison, there was a boy called Brendan Hurd, and me and Brendan, like, because we, Jason could go outside running around, because uh, um, he was a professional boxer at the time, and I was an amateur, Jason could go outside the prison running with the guards, where I couldn't, basically, while I was in prison, my pad work, or training for any sort of competition, or any anything, I would have socks on, this is going to sound crazy again, I'd have socks on my hands, right? <laughs> Brendan would wear slippers on his hands as pads. <laughs> that's how we do our combinations now boxing. Yeah, so that's the training that I was having while I was in Nick. Yeah. That's insane. If only the people at the Commonwealth knew that beforehand, they're like, he's training to do this how? So like, what? <laughs> and that's it. Like I say, nobody expected me to go there and do anything. It was only because the um, Commonwealth Games was in Manchester. That's the reason why they sent a full squad to represent Wales. If the um, 
if the Commonwealth Games was in Kuala Lumpur or anywhere else, then they would have only sent three or four guys, as they normally do, to go to the Games. I would never have been selected. That's insane. That's I don't know. Yeah. It clearly was destiny, my friend. It clearly was destiny. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like I say, it was just. And I know I said it was a premonition. I had that dream, and it was just a case of. I don't know we just made it happen. Everything just. I just believed, and I told everybody, and I, I, I believed in. In what I'd dreamt of, and I felt that passionate about it. And while I was in, I just told everybody, and then when I when I won the gold in the Commonwealth Games. Well, sorry. So, going on to the Commonwealth Games, and so basically. So I came out of prison, trained um, to win the Welsh, won the Welsh, uh, got selected for the Commonwealth Games. Then we had an opportunity to go all the shot to build a duo training for as a Welsh squad to go to the Commonwealth Games. Uh, my local councillor, so I, I, at this time, I had a partner, I had a son, I had bills to pay. So obviously that that's endures cost. And I was representing our country to go to the Commonwealth Games. So there was a local councillor, uh, Bob, I won't say his second name, because I say it's just not right. So there was a local councillor, Bob, and I asked him whether there was any support to be able to help me as a representative to go to the Commonwealth Games, whether it just be a little bit of sponsorship or anything. He actually said to me, come up to St. Joseph's Club on a Sunday, like three weeks before I was meant to go to Aldershot for the Games, um, and I'll give you a check to be able to help you while you're away. Yeah, because like I say, this endures, it costs, it's a big period of time that you're training for um, a big competition. So I went up on the Sunday, didn't bother turning up. So I phoned him on the Monday, I said, oh, I was meant to meet you. He said, oh, no, he said, come up next week. So I said, yeah, no worries. When I did a Sunday, this a week before the um, Commonwealth Games, he said, um, what I'm going to do now, I'm going to take some photos, I'm going to give you a blank envelope, yeah, um, and then I'm going to say that, uh, oh, we're going to say then we sponsored you and uh, then I'll give you the money Monday or Tuesday. I was like, I'm not doing that. So anyway, didn't get, didn't get any support of anybody, right? Well, actually, the only support I got, got right, and here's never a crazy thing. It all It's great because it all comes as, as we have the conversation, right? <laughs> I, I was running late at night right around the top of Hendless and just training for this fight. And um, I wasn't far away from the Commonwealth Games, so I was going to the Commonwealth Games. And as I was running around, there was this gentleman called Daryl Moss, okay? And Daryl Moss owned a local company, DJ's Refrigeration of Three Nations as he is now. And as I was running, he said to me, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm running, I'm going to Commonwealth Games. And we started talking and he said, I'll sponsor you, right? So he then gave me 500 pounds a month for me. Yeah, for me. And for nothing, like that's what he did. Shit, I shit you not, right? That's what he did. So, like, and it was just a case of late at night, half 11, 12 o'clock at night, running around. He was out with his little dog, yeah, <laughs> little, Scott, little Scotty dog, right? We're still friends now. And Daryl Moss said to me, he said, I'll sponsor you. And he was the only one, right, that, that helped me by any form of sponsorship, right? And that's what he did. He paid me £500 a month, yeah, just so I could just train and just be a boxer, yeah. Um, amazing. So, yeah, went to the Commonwealth Games. As I'd said, nobody expected me to do anything in Commonwealth Games. So all of a sudden, people again beat and knocked out. I'm going for the stages. 
wedding fingers. Yeah, comes down to the where, and then all of a sudden, the BBC and all the press are starting to take notice of me. I've never had a media trainer. About six months ago, I'd just been in prison. So like, there we go. So I'm just going through it. I'm just like, well, and all of a sudden, everybody's around me, and it's like, fucking, there's a little bit of buzz about him. And um, as I was going through the fight, the first, the first fight that I had in there prelims the Commonwealth Games because I had the most fights in a week. So I had five fights in seven days to win a Commonwealth Games medal. And when you think about the Commonwealth Games, right, you're talking about the best fighters for 77 different countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the best fighters. Okay. So the first round of the Commonwealth Games, I got drawn against a big hard bastard in Scotland <laughs> who just beat me up in the fucking four nation, uh, three nations. Right? So <laughs> First guy that I got drawn against. I was like, well, fuck's sake. He beat me in Scotland in the Four Nations. And like I say, he was good. Big, strong, hard bastard. Like. So then got drawn against him. So in the first, uh, and then because it was a Commonwealth Games, I boxed his ears off. Yeah, I massive margin. But in the last round, or probably the last 10, 15 seconds of the last round, he caught me with a right hand and he gave me a concussion. Yeah. And my, when you can tell when somebody's got concussions because one of their pupils dilates bigger than the other. Mm. Yeah. So basically, I got concussions. So we had, uh, so I got my arm raised. Yeah. And then I showed up to the ring and it was a case of don't let a doctor see you because he won't let you fight the next day. Yeah. So what we have to do is so you weigh in on the morning that you fight, have food and what have you, have your fight. And then if you're fighting the next day, you have to weigh in again the next morning. Oh my yeah. god. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> to be able to fight then the next night. So you have to weigh in every day. So it's constantly like I've been nine stone and then when I fight, or just before I fight, I go up then nine eight, nine nine, and then I'd fight and I'd probably be down nine four. And then after the fight, I'll have to go back in the in the sauna and on the running machine to be able to get a nine stone for the next morning. Oh fucking and hell. That's so nuts. So yeah, so like I say, the first round in the Commonwealth Games was drawn against the little bastard fucking give me that concussion. Uh, sorry, that beat me in a in an island. But then from there, I was just I I was again I was I'd be in my room in the Commonwealth Games because if ever you've been to a big um, village for sporting events like Commonwealth Village or the Olympic Village, this was basically Fallowfield University closed down, and then you had all the different countries. Living in the in the university campus, yeah. So you're oh, all okay. fenced area. So basically, I'd just be in my room a lot of the time, but just playing out how the fights are going to be going in my mind. Yeah, and then it's going in there. And the amount of times, like I, I was ju just boxing exactly as I was thinking that I was going to box to beat these guys. Yeah, and I just carried on going on, and yeah. I become the first guy to go my lessons. Howard Winston back in 1958. So it was quite cool. Well, thank you so much. Congratulations. So, saying that with the gold medal, did you know that you could you were fighting to be the first one in, since 1958? Or did, was this something you found out afterwards? You're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Didn't realise that. <laughs> you know, well, as I was going through, and then the BBC was coming up to me and saying, oh, um, Obviously, Howard Winston was the last one. My maths at sport time, I assume, wasn't very good. So, as they were saying, <laughs> 1948, and I was going, I'd be, uh, and when they were saying about um, the first for 44 years, I was saying first for 48 years. Like I say, but there was a lot of a lot of things going on with all this. Like, you know, so, yeah, I kind of didn't know when he'd won it. And it was only as things started 
building up and people start paying attention. It was quite, uh, yeah, it was quite a big thing then. That big, that when I won it, like I say, when I come back, there was open top buses and street parties. It was, it was insane. That sounds amazing. No, fair play, man. That's absolutely, the fact that you basically put that into the universe and went, by the way, guys, this is what I'm doing and then did it is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Fair play. Thank you, brother. And like I say, sometimes, like sometimes I do it, it's like this, right? With regards to premonitions and and, and like uh, thinking and dreaming into reality, right? It's easier, I say easier, when your confidence is high, right? When we're down or depressed or a bit broken, we can't do that, right? Well, we we all struggle to do that, right? Because they we're at that stage, and our mind's a very funny thing. When we're at the stage of where we're um, beaten up out of life a little bit, it's not so easy to have those dreams and aspirations and premonitions, yeah? But I was fortunate enough at the time that I was in a space where I didn't have to think about anything other than boxing and success. Yeah, so I was very, very lucky there. So I was reading about your fights in the Commonwealth, and I was really impressed, quite frankly, the balls you had to carry on with the final, because didn't you get like quite a bad injury just before the final? Yeah, I got, well, in the semi-finals, yeah, against uh, the Botswana boy, Gilbert Kamwani, he was... Gilbert Kamani, a great fighter, great fighter, hard, hard fighter. But yeah, he he, he cut me just by the uh, corner of my nose, by here and by eye. So in the last round, again, the doctor came in, just checked it to be able to make sure it was okay for me to carry on. Because primarily, and there was one of the boys, Kevin Evans, that because he had a bleeding nose, they stopped the fight. Yeah, and he was like the, he was a heavier weight, he was a favorite. Yeah, so they stopped the fight and that was always going to be a worry. So I had this cut in the uh, semi-finals. So we was a little bit worried that might cause a hindrance then with regards to the finals. But uh, fortunately it didn't. And uh, yeah, the, the gent that I boxed in the finals, uh, Dennis Zimba, he was about six foot three, um, colored guy, arms nearly down to his knees, yeah. He, he was, honest to God, he hit me twice. He hit me went up, cut in the second round, hit me off my feet. And then he hit me again off my feet. I like shooting me, but there was that much on the fight that you just had to get through. And the man, how knackered you are, and how, how, hey, how, uh, how many shots you get uh, caught with. I was, I was that hungry to win that they don't really, yeah, have that, that much of a big effect on like no. I suppose you once that adrenaline kicks in, you're like, no, I am fucking winning this. Like, you know, no, I don't care how much my eye bleeds. I am winning this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you say, like I say, there's, there's 15,000 people in the arena, near the end. Yeah, they're all going crazy. They're all, this is, the, this is like, like nothing you've ever imagined. It's, it's, a, it's amazing. Like I say, when you've never been in that environment before, it's like the buzz and the rush on the way to the ring for the final, sorry about jumping back and forth, but as I said, when you're talking, there's so many different things that pop into your mind that are relevant, right? So, so I was in the final for the um, for the Commonwealth Games, okay? Fighting a boy called Dennis Zimba from Zambia. Uh, phenomenal fighter, beating everybody all the way through. He beat the boy called Andy Morris, who was the English boy. He was probably 
Nip and Tuck were me and him. Um, he was always a bit big-headed. He was saying he was going to go out and beat me. like, But he, he beat uh, Andy Morris, and then I was fighting him. So Kevin, Kevin Evans uh, had lost the day before. So all the Welsh coaches, and this is going to sound a bit bad when I say this, all the Welsh coaches gone over to the, um, to the arena to watch uh, Kevin. Oh, I think we were Kevin. Oh, some of the events were with the arena. So I had to make my own way. I had to go on a, one of the shuttle buses. Yeah. Make my own way over to the arena. Get my own way into the arena. And have a word, because we was fortunate enough that we was up in Aldershot, and there was a guy called Vinnie Powell, right? He was the um, Aldershot. Uh, he was the army boxing coach, but he was also a Welsh boxer. So he enabled us to be able to go up to Aldershot. Okay, so while we was up in Aldershot for two one-week sessions, I got in all the army boys. And the army boys was doing the security at the arena. So when I'd made my way, own way over to the arena, got to the arena, I got the army boys then to get me to the best <laughs> suite, right? In the best, <laughs> yeah, best change rooms in the arena. So I had a nice little cushy number with regards to the setup. And um, yeah, that's where I stayed there. But I was looked after by all the army boys. But while I was on the way to the ring to box in the final of the Commonwealth Games, honest to God, I had to stop myself crying. Yeah. And it wasn't crying because I was scared. It was just crying because the emotions are that high for you. Like you're going to go and fight somebody that's fucking shit off for one. Also, I know, I know. But also, yeah, you're going to go and fight somebody stone cold sober. Yeah. In front of 15,000 people. And all the TV in the biggest event that's going on for two years, because obviously at Olympics and then Commonwealth, Olympics, Commonwealth. So it was a massive amount of pressure. And the event, like I said, I was walking to the ring and I was, this was, <laughs> that's how I was walking. It was absolutely insane. But those little things bring out the best of you because any man that goes to the ring and they're not scared, yeah. Um, they're not, on, they're not on edge, they're not on ball, they're not on point. When I get there, and I, if I hear the crowd when I'm fighting, actually the bell goes and I hear the crowd, I know I'm not switched on. If I don't hear anything and I'm just tunnel vision, then I'm shit on, I'm really good. And um, yeah, there's so much down to boxing that people just don't really get to understand because they don't live it, yeah? But it's uh, like anything to do, anything that we do, we go to be successful, whether it be a jump on a motorbike, whether it be skiing, whether it be marathon, all these people get that focus and tunnel vision and the feeling you get while you're doing it. It's just the best feeling in the world. I think, I think you're right what you say about people not understanding, because there is quite a stereotype, isn't there? It's like, oh, he's a fucking boxer. He don't know nothing. Just likes to throw his hands around. But, yeah. you know, there's a lot of preparation. What sort of, how much preparation goes into a fight, like, beforehand? You put that in a cup. How many preparation goes into it beforehand? Uh, well, if I was fortunate enough that I'd have a full training camp, like, I pretty much train all year round. Okay, so while I'm a professional fighter, you... For, let's just say when I was a professional, I was fighting uh, for title fights. Yeah, for a couple of my title fights. So I'd run 10 miles in the morning. Then I'd come back. So I'd run 10 miles, come back. 
um, have some breakfast, have a bit of a sleep, and I go back in the afternoon and I might do 15 rounds, or I'll do some skipping first, then I'll do 15 rounds on the bags and pads, then I'll do some conditioning. And then in the evening, then I'll go back and do sparring. So that's, that's a lot of preparation time, yeah? So like I say, that's, that's three times a day. Let's just say minimum hour and a half each session, yeah? And then obviously, well, it's a full-time job. And that's every day? That's probably five days a week. Jesus. I'll be done in four or ten miles in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Like it's a different world. You have to be slightly daft to be a boxer. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be slightly daft. But then again, let's do it like this, okay? Um, see where you guys and your uh, your show now, okay? Is it successful? Yeah. yeah well, it's, yeah, which means put some fucking hard work in. Yeah, I'd say it is. Brilliant. Right. Everything that you do, right, guys? Um, the effort, the work, the fucking shit that you put up with, right? The money, the negativity, the fucking the losses, all of it, right? You have to be slightly fucking nuts. You do, mate. And you have to be slightly nuts in order for you guys to be as good as you are, right? So you guys are good. You're very good talkers. You're very nice people. You're very organized. Um, you're really, really good. So in order to be as good as you are, right, you have to be so driven, so grounded, so hungry, so dedicated, right? Because otherwise, you don't do it. And like everybody that is successful, right, are slightly nuts because we're not, not we're not like normal nine to f- nine to fivers. Because you might have a full time job and then do this. And all your other time. Yeah, so I applaud you. And like I say, with regards to I know how much work it takes into being successful at anything. And you're doing all right, man. Oh, you are way too kind, Mr. Arthur. Oh, Thank oh, you so very much. Right. Yeah. I'll be like motivational speaking now, won't I? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, the work. I mean, you're good at what you do. You're very good. You're very hospital. You're, you're nice people. And you can get people to talk. Yeah, because like I say, at the end of the day, there's things that I'm talking about now, which I haven't told anybody about. So you've got a little bit of a... A little bit exclusive. of a... a, a one better word, exclusive. I'm not exclusive enough to be able to... Millions of people <laughs> to know this, but what I'm saying is, you're good enough to be able to get somebody to open up to be able to get the best out of them. And you're good at what you do. Appreciate you. Right. Appreciate that. Oh. No. Oh. I don't do myself now. Um, no, <laughs> it's time for us to have a little cry now. <laughs> but you that you you turned professional in two thousand three, even though you wanted to compete at amateur level at the Olympic Games in Athens. So why what made you go professional instead of going uh, to the Olympics? Two reasons. Um, at the time, Joe Kazaki was obviously world champion, so he was fighting in regular in Wales. Yeah, uh, Frank Warren was his promoter, so we were putting on regular shows. That's the best time in the world for me to piggyback on that, as opposed to try to wait another two years to go to the Olympics. And at the time, there was no funding in, in Welsh boxing. Yeah, so I was, at, I was at the stage of where, if I wanted to stay as an amateur boxer, the, the deal that I got offered was 
£13,000 a year. And that would have had to cover my living expenses plus my training expenses. Yeah, so that's all I would have had. When things have changed now, there's a lot more money in the game now, but that's that's the deal that I was offered at the time. And me, at the time, I had my partner and I had my son, newborn son. I couldn't afford to just be a full-time athlete on that. So Frank Warren dangled the carrot and he said, well, use a five grand sign on fee and then use X amount of money per round when you turn and you're at the right stage to be able to make your way up through the professional ranks. And that's, that's the reason why I did. And let me tell you something now as well. In order to be able to, sorry, sir, right? In order to be able to get represented to be able to go to the, like the Olympics, right? We were talking another two years now. So I was 22 at the time. I'd just done the biggest thing in Welsh Bob since St. Howard Winston, 1958. In order to be able to go to the Olympics then, what I would have had to do is probably win the European Championships. The European Championships is, is as hard as winning the Commonwealth Games gold. You know, you have to be shit on. And at the time, there wasn't the Sheffield setup that there is now that you would just be training all the time. So I would have had the same setup training in a gym in, in Coyneva, which was a hut. No heated, only cold water. When it was raining, we'd have buckets. Yeah, buckets. It's like a proper Rocky movie. We'd have buckets catching the rain. In. And that is where I trained from the age of nine years old, and that's where I won my Commonwealth Games gold medal from. Coyneva Boxing Club. That's amazing, though. Could be, it's like a proper inspirational story. It should make a movie about it. I know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, it's the event walking forward with 68, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, for Creed, we want Arthur. We don't want Creed. I, we want Arthur. Yeah, I can't wait for you to set up now. You're going to be like my agents. To be able to set up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Look at this. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I like that's, where it was case of, that's why I turned pro. But it was probably the best time for me to turn pro because of all that. No, that's amazing. And you remained undefeated for like two years, is that right? Yeah, I had, uh, I, I can't remember what fight I lost, uh, I lost on, but I lost, I think my first fight was um, either, I think it was either Heydo Ali or Harry Ramagodi. Heydo Ali was a, um, he was a Commonwealth Games gold medalist from Pakistan, the weight below me in featherweight. So after the Commonwealth Games, a lot of the fighters, they stayed over here in this country. So when we turned pro, you had a lot of top class guys that were picked up by the London promoters that were hard men. Yeah. So that 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 era of guys that come over, if you was fighting like any because I did fight that box boxer called Buster Dennis. He was um coming what country he was from, but he was in there from the Commonwealth Games as well. And they were just fucking rock hard. I mean, they were, but like they were fighting really good guys. So when I boxed Heydo Ali. I believe this was my first loss. Uh, I had a clash of heads, cut my eyes open, yeah, and I got stopped on cuts. And then pretty much from that moment, I got dropped by Frank Warren. Yeah, so, yeah, so don't know how many wins you were like, yeah, pretty much Frank Warren just pretty much dropped me in. Yeah, so all of a sudden, you're, in the first year, I think I had seven fights. In the third year, I can't remember how many fights I had. But let's just say in the third year, I was probably having, like, two fights. So if I was getting three and a half thousand pound a fight, I might have had one fight. But then what would happen? They'd say, right, here's a date that you're going to be training for. So I'd train for that date. Then they'll say, oh, that one's cancelled. We moved it to another date. So that might be another eight weeks away, 12 weeks away or whatever. So I was just a full-time professional boxer. I only get paid when I fight. Mm. Okay. So 
I'd be training all these months and fight once a year. So I'd get three and a half thousand pounds a year for professional boxing, right? So I know. So like people coming up to me having photos and autographs and saying, oh, you're brilliant, you're amazing. But there's people in McDonald's earning far more money than me. Yeah, and I'm like a broken shot. Honest God, we're professional boxing, right? I've gone through stages, especially later on in my career. So here's an example for you. When I boxed Martin Lindsay for the British title, okay? Martin Lindsay, I had a late notice replacement to fight him because somebody else had pulled out. I'd pretty much retired beforehand. So I, I'd had a phone call to say, do I want to box Martin Lindsay? Martin Lindsay was undefeated at the time. I can't remember how many fights. He had 21. He knocked out loads of people. Irish boy, undefeated, hard as nails, right? Do you want to fight Martin Lindsay for the British title? Fuck yeah, I'll fight him. Because like I say, at the end of the day, like, yeah, opportunity, right? Trained for this fight. A week before the British title fight, I'd had deck letters knock my door, right? I'd had a car taken off my drive because I hadn't paid my mortgage for three or four months. Uh, well, I I hadn't paid my sorry, I hadn't paid my rent for about three or four months. So I, I had my landlord on me. Yeah. What's happening with rent? I had deck letters knock my door. So my partner at the time having to hide in the house and be scared about answering the door. And because I hadn't paid money that I had, I had my one of my cars taken off my drive, right? And I was driving then down to, because I, I had a, a car which was <laughs> run down old banger, right? I had no tax, no MOT, no insurance. I had to use this to be able to drive down to Newport, right? To be able to uh, get training. So I was training down here with Sammy Sims. Broke down on the motorway. This is a week before British telephone went, which is the, big, the biggest, it was at the time, the biggest, purse bid for a British title fight in British history, right, for featherweight boxing. It was £21,000 you guys 60-40 split, okay? So a week before, broke down on the motorway, on the way to Newport because I had no petrol and like I say, I had no tax, no MOT, no insurance and that was the preparation right, that was the preparation for me to fight somebody who was undefeated, he was he was a killer that was a Welshman's preparation to be able to go in there and try to fight somebody for a big title. So as you can imagine, if I can't pay my, if I can't afford to pay my rent, debt collects on my door, car getting taken off my drive, how do you think that I'm eating as, a, as an athlete? I'm not eating, yeah? That was, that was what I'd have to do in order to be able to try and fight for the British title. And like I said, I had to take it because if I didn't fight, I'd get paid. That's mad. <laughs> It's so nuts. Like it's just all the shit you don't see. You don't see any of that. You know what I mean? It's absolutely insane. And fair play to you, man. That you know you've survived fucking so much. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you. Yeah. And at the same time, though, it shows how much you love what you do. That you're like, I'm still going to go. I ain't quitting. Let me tell you something now, my friend. Like when you're in a situation that you've got no choice, it ain't about what you love and what you do. Right? I fucking hated the game at the time. Because like I say, I, like, I, I was getting treated like shit, yeah? Um, I had nothing, right? Well, let me tell you something now, right? They say money don't make you happy. Yeah, you hear that saying, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let me tell you something now, right? When you haven't got debt collectors knocking your door, right? Money fucking helps. 
right? Because then you're in a situation where you haven't got to worry all the time about who's knocking your door, right? So money does make you happy. All it does alleviates pressure. When people are in a situation, right, where they haven't got any money in their pocket and they've got debt collectors all the time, that's what breaks up relationships and that's what makes people unhappy. Yeah? So like I say, I was at the situation. I, I, I couldn't afford to not do it because if I didn't do it, I wouldn't get paid. And at the time as well, I had nothing else. I didn't. I I I, I, I couldn't do anything else. You know what I mean, that was that was my sport. I was I was a boxer. That's all I was known for. Like I left school at fifteen with no qualifications. I didn't even do a GCSE. Okay, it's different now. I, I've done a master's degree in architecture. So now, and I done this while I was while I while I was boxing. I went back to I went back to college and I studied AutoCAD. Yeah, so a design program. So. Um, and all because another one of my sponsors, Martin Reader, City Event Services at the time, um, basically he said that his cab man was laying him down all the time. He said, he's like a stoner and he was all, all around, can't be doing whatever he wanted, but he was earning good money. He said, you should do it. So I went to college and I did it. Yeah, so I, I learned AutoCAD level one, two and three. And then I went and done um, a master's degree in building, building information modeling. So it's 40 building. Um, at that time, when I was boxing like I was, I didn't have the um, credentials, i.e. the education, behind me in order to be able to go and get a job like like I do now. Now, and since I've left boxing, I've earned more money out of boxing than I did in boxing. Because now, I got I use my brain as well as my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and But at that time, I had nothing else. I remember going for a job in Celtic Manor. These cheeky bastards. Like, Celtic Manor is a big... Now, right? Check this out now, right? I, I was coming off games gold medalist, and like I say, with regards to I'd just been dropped by um, Frank Warren. Yeah, um, I've been coaching people since I was since I was a baby, right? I know a lot about um, I know a lot about health, fitness, and treating people good. But at the time, my my confidence was really low. I went for a job interview down at Cardiff Manor. I had. A man and a woman sat in front of me, okay? They made me feel about that big, yeah? By just, by the way that they was just belittling me, yeah? Making me feel like I was absolutely worthless. I never got a job, yeah? And just brought me down further. And like I said, then I'd come back to boxing and I'd went on and I'd achieved again, yeah? And then the next time I went down here, I was down here big functions and, and then uh renting out the, the the big suite you know because like i say that, that's the the difference they wouldn't employ me to be able to be a gym instructor but then they'll take my money when it comes down to me hiring the big suite but like do you, yeah. Do you get what, yeah do you get what i mean like of course they will yeah yeah so that's where it's a case of when i later on in my career i used my head to be able to get educated to be able to you know how to spend my money and i'd uh, get jobs other than boxing Fair play, Joan. Like it, it's just, it's like it's like a true like like up and down, proper up and down. Like in a rut, now you're doing well, then you back down again. It's just like a proper comeback story. And now look at you, fucking flying, absolutely amazing. Come on, someone not flying, my man, not flying. But like I say, I'm doing a lot. Yeah, but I'm not flying. Like I say, every, hey, everybody can look at things through tainted pair glasses. Yeah, and like I say, yeah. we've got people on the outside because the conversation we're having now, yeah. Like, I'm quite a positive guy, yeah? Yeah. Well, okay. Here's how it is. 
um, I make people feel better. Right? I make people feel better about themselves because biggest and first and foremost, I actually give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So any any little bit of a compliment that I give you guys, just as I did a second ago, right? I didn't give you a compliment because um, you're going to get me more views or um, <laughs> you're going to buy me a fucking sausage and egg McMuffin. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it for any other reason than from the interaction I've had with you, right? Whether it be from the messages that you said, Matt, right? uh, Tom, sorry, or tonight's uh, conversation the way that you've been, right? I said it because it's absolutely true. And I have no qualms about saying to anybody and a lot of people, you're doing fucking ace. Because I pay attention to the small things in life a lot of people don't actually see, right? So like I said, even when my life's fucking, it's not now, but even when my life has been falling apart, yeah, I've spent time to be able to make sure that other people know their worth. And that's an important factor. But thank you, brother. Like yes. I say, we've got you. It's nice that you can actually get to the stage where you say life is all right. And like it sort of is. Like it ain't bad. I mean, my life ain't bad at all. So I, I can do whatever I want. And like I say, we've got some situation. I've got a couple of houses for sale. Once I sell up, I'm going to go traveling, man. I'm going to enjoy myself a little bit. Yeah, just fucking kick back for a little bit. With my four dogs, uh, kick back a little bit. Go and enjoy a little bit of time of just at the beach and enjoy myself for uh, however many months I want to go for. Because I fucking love yeah, deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy, fucking enjoy it, man. But you um you were picked up by Joe Calzaghi's father Enzo um for a little bit, which I think I thought was absolutely awesome. Um, uh, but then obviously you retired due to the fact that you have ongoing cut issues, and you said I've read that you could get surgery for it, but it said it wouldn't work or something. Well, yeah, basically, right. So the topsy I lives here. Okay, yeah. mine are quite prominent. Mine are quite prominent, quite sharp. So Ricky Hatton, when he was, because obviously as he was working through his career, he was knocking people out and he was getting cut as well. Yeah? Yeah. So Ricky Hatton went out and he had these, uh, the eyelid shaven. Yeah, you can have the bone shaven down. It's quite a, um, quite an operation. Like if you like, you can't see on the camera now, but in, in one fight, honest to God, this sounds crazy as well. I spin up, I sound like I'm spinning you loads of fucking yarns, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but like I say, in one fight, I had a, I, I think it was like 54 stitches inside now, right? I had, I had, yeah, there was literally two splits that side, two splits that side. But I've got a split in my ear, yeah, which Frederick Bonafide, French kid, in one of the fights, bit my ear in a fight, yeah, split my ear open. I know. Yeah, so like I say, we've got a, a lot of injuries. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, when I went up the Harley Street to see where we could be done, it couldn't really. Do you know what actually stopped me getting cut? What? Fucking a little bit of common sense and not smashing my head into people. <laughs> yeah. That would do it. That would definitely do it. Yeah. <laughs> what I was doing, I was fighting before, basically. I was going in there and I was coming out my head trying to attack people. Yeah. And then later on in my career, and I, here's how I learned how to do this. I was teaching people how to box. Yeah, so when you're teaching people how to box at a distance, you're teaching people now the things that they shouldn't be doing, right? <laughs> and that taught me 
how to build and understand how to box and not roll in my head and get my head cut off. That's crazy as sounds, but yeah, that, that, the way I got away from not end cut so often was just by learning that to box on the back foot instead of, well, not learning, it was just by not being such a hard-headed little dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just because like when I was fighting, when I was going up through the ranks, I was a hard-headed little dickhead. I just didn't want to fight. So I learned how to do that. I become a little bit more chill out. <laughs> um, I, thought, I thought you were going to say, I just started doing the old-timey boxing. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, that would be better. I think that's a yeah. <laughs> Let's keep your head as far away as possible. Definitely. Definitely. So, yeah. So, Love uh, it. Enzo, Enzo was amazing. Enzo was amazing because of his energy. You're just nuts. Enzo. <laughs> so you re- you retired a few times. I like retired in 2005. Came back in 2007. Just kept coming back. To, what was it that kept you going back? Was it just unfinished business sort of thing, or was it the money side of things, like you said earlier? Yeah, both. Um, yo yo athletic thing they call me. Yeah, yo yo <laughs> Like I go down, I come up, down, I go up, down, I come. Up. Yeah, I, uh, I come back. Uh, so I retired in two thousand and five. I, I believe I come back in two thousand and eight. So I set up in that in that period of time. I retired. I set a boxing gym down in Shaftesbury in Newport. And while I was training, people I thought like I'm gonna um, I'm gonna come. I was I was doing two things. I was teaching skip to be fit in school. So I was going around schools and I was teaching people how to skip. And use uh, skipping as a, uh, an educational program. So I was teaching about healthy eating uh, and numeracy. So basically, what I do, I have counters in the skipping books. I skip for two minutes, get them to count how many skips that they've done on the counter. Then I get them to reset it, do it again, and then I just do mathematics questions. So like I said, I do um, if they've done a hundred skips on the first skip and then hundred on the second. Um, yeah, you get me. So basically, yeah, yeah. I was using I was using exercise and a healthy eating as a program for primary school kids, but then I opened up a gym as well, and I just thought bollocks, got a fancy another go. So in 2008, <laughs> I came back and then I uh, boxed for the Welsh title, uh, and then I won on for a little while, and then I lost, and I thought, well, I can't be asked to hang around now and try to work my way up for the rankings again, so then I'm retired again, yeah. <laughs> and then while I retired, another opportunity came. So I decided to take it again. I think it was Chris Hughes then. And again, with Chris Hughes, I only had 12, 15 days notice, uh, 12 days notice, and I had to lose 15 pounds over 12 days to be able to fight Chris Hughes for the Commonwealth title. He was a Scottish kid. So, yeah. So that was like a last-minute thing. I wasn't training or anything. I had the opportunity. Went up there to Troxy in London, beat him for the Commonwealth, uh, to win the Commonwealth title. And then that gave me the opportunity to uh, fight uh, Jason Booth then for the British title. Um, yeah, and then after I lost to Jason Booth, I just thought, fuck it, I can't be asked to wait around again. You know, it's another duration, and I'm gonna have to try and make my way up for the ranking, so then stopped again. So, yeah, that's pretty much why I retired so many times. Yeah, and then the last time, well, yeah, let's just say the last time against um, uh, in 2015, as I'd say earlier, because I was teaching people in a box, all I wanted to do was just show people that what I was teaching them, how it works. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. basically, yeah, so I retired in 2012 after losing the British title to Scott Cook. Um, we had a hell of a fight. Um, 
And then, yeah, 2015, then I come back just to be able to show everybody in my gym uh, what I was doing, doing was right. But what I was doing was right, because when I opened up a gym in 2012, in the first year, I had 10 Welsh novice champions. Yeah, I, had, I, I probably had 25 amateur boxers, plus uh, 30 girls in the class coming to keep fit, plus strength conditioning classes, absolutely killing it. Yeah, just making a massive difference in the community. I actually got a award, well, I, in 2012, after I opened up the gym, and I had £8,000 funding from the National Lobby to get some equipment. Then, so in 2013, I got the opportunity to press the National Lottery button, yeah, for, the reason being is because I, I come second on the, that, biggest impact of a community project for the UK. And I only come second to Wales women football team. Yeah. And why you got them? Uh, sorry, sorry. England, England women's football team. So when you're talking about all the funding that's been given out for all of the UK, yeah, I had £8,000 and I come runner up to England girls football team for the work that I've done in the community. We killed it, man. That's incredible. That is amazing. We, we better fucking write a, a film. We better write a script, I think, yeah. we? we? I think it's got to be done. We're going to get started on it, Arthur. We're getting, we're getting started uh, on it. It's got to happen. This is going to be the longest interview you've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we like it, though. We like it when the guest talks. That's the whole point of why we do this. We, they, no one wants to listen to us speak. They want to hear what you have to say. So, you know, we, the fact that, you, you know, talk as much as you like, Jamie. It's all good. Um, with boxing though I want to the weight system I don't understand it because there's so many different varieties of weights like uh, leagues and that sort of thing because you won the Commonwealth gold at lightweight you're classed as a super bantamweight and you fought for the British featherweight title in 2009 like what what's the difference between them all (laughs) here's how it goes so weight categories they normally go in four pound Increments. Okay. In amateur, it's seven pounds. So it's basically, let's just say, uh, nine stone, nine stone seven. Yeah. Uh, ten stone, ten stone seven. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got uh, so you got basically uh, featherweight, lightweight. Yeah. Uh, welterweight, uh, light middleweight, middleweight. Yeah. So they go up in seven pound increments. Yeah. With professional boxing, they go up in four pound increments. Okay. Okay. So basically, so I won the Commonwealth Games gold at as an amateur at nine stone seven. Okay, I, I had my first fight then, I believe at nine stone twelve. Yeah. Then yeah. As, as a professional, then as I was uh, getting better, well, as I was getting older, it normally goes the other way around. When people get older, they go up. As I was getting older, because I was getting smarter on this and weight loss and training and and being skint because I had no money. Yeah, my cars were <laughs> taking on shit. Right, right. So, then I was coming down. So basically, so right. Let me get this right now. So I want to come off games. Gold at lightweight, ten pound, nine twelve. Which because you could, if you you only have to be on the weight at title fight night. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. if you if you're fighting at lightweight, for instance, you only have to be it. It's nine so nine as a professional. 
You only have to be announced out nine on the night if you fight for a title. But if it's a non-title, a fight you could be announced on 12. So hence the reason why I was announced on 12. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then when... So basically I gone from lightweight, nice on nine, up to nice on 12. Then super featherweight, right, which was nice on four. That was when I boxed for the, the British title, I think. British title, I think. <laughs> then, I might know, sorry, Welsh title. Like, but then, then I went down to nine stone. Yeah, and I boxed for the British title and the Commonwealth title. Yeah. And then we had the eight stone ten, which is so you've gone from nine stone four, which is super featherweight. Nine stone is featherweight, and then super bantamweight is eight stone ten. Jeez. So basically I know. I was like ribs and dick. Honest to God. <laughs> <laughs> so I literally cut down the weights as I get older. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, I've never heard that before. That absolutely ruined. <laughs> it should be the professional description. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. So, we're going four pound increments. Yeah. Okay. No, makes sense. So we touched on it briefly earlier. I asked about like the prep you have to do before a fight physically, but mentally wise, do you have to come up with like a strategy going in, like this is how I'm going, or is it you get in there and it's off the cuff what you've Things right in the moment, sort of thing. Yeah, we, we normally have nervous breakdowns. As you can see, I'm not right. <laughs> I'm only, yeah, of course. Like I said, basically, I'd watch the guys, and my coach would watch the guys that we're going to be fighting. So basically, if you got a self ball on an orthodox fight, so an orthodox fighter, if you don't, don't know how much you know about boxing, orthodox fighter is right handed, leaves with the left hand. Okay, mm. so if I'm fighting an orthodox fighter, I want to stay the fuck away from their right hand because that hurts. Right, so I'm basically so so while I'm defensive boxing, right, as a, basically I throw my shots, so I stay towards the left shoulder because all I want to do is ever worry about one hand coming coming towards me. Okay, so I want to nullify fifty percent of their work. I want to stay away from this. So basically, I throw my shots and I move off to my right. Okay, so I defend to my right and attack to the left. Okay. So you might have guys that uh, come forward, fighters. I use that same ethos, but what I'll do, if they come forward, hard fighters, I'll box on the back foot. If they're boxers, I'll use that same ethos against an orthodox fighter, but then I'll be the one that's coming forward. So if I'm in a position now where I start off towards the left foot, but then in order to be able to attack, I move to my left. Yeah, so I attack to my left, defend to my right. So yeah, basically, depends on the, how they fight, will determine what game plan I set. And But it'll all be based off, because boxing is very basic, it'll all be based off the fundamentals of knowing where you've got to stand in order to be able to nullify your opponent. If you look at Tyson Fury, Klitschko is very good at it as well, and a lot of the good fighters... What they do, they nullify somebody else's work by taking away one of their hands. Right. Mm. So when when Tyson Fury boxed uh, Wilder, okay, in order to be able to for Tyson Fury not get killed by a massive right hand, what he'd do is keep circling around to his right. Yeah. When George Bowes boxed Carl Flotch, first fight for instance, and the reason why he knew that he was going to knock him down with that right hand is because he knew knows how Carl Flotch lunges in 
and steps to his Calfort steps to his left when he's throwing his shot and has chin down hands up. So and basically George Groves was waiting for that to happen. So as he did, that's when he set that shot up. So basically you've got somebody moving on to your shot and then you've got a shot coming forward. That is a good box as somebody who knows how to box. And that's it. When you know how to box, you know all the fundamentals and you know how to be able to set up a game plan to be able to beat people. That's fascinating. <laughs> Because I've been doing this since I was nine, so I'm 43 now. It seems like I've been doing it a million years, but I, I know how to box. Like, you know, I know I know the fundamentals and I know how to use them correctly and I know how to build a nullify and do certain things. Yeah. I, I, it's, I, I find it amazing that you can continue that concentration with that adrenaline rush. Because I don't know about you, if someone punched me in the face, logic would be out the window. I, I wouldn't be focusing on yeah. where their arm is. I'm like, bastard. You know? <laughs> For sure. Probably not. That's a hard <laughs> Why you're fighting this as well, because boxing is the most loneliest place in the world, right? Like, especially if you're fighting a 12-round fight, 36 minutes plus the minute in between each round is a fucking long time, man. And, like, like if you get caught with a body shot or you're getting beaten up, and listen to me now, like when, you've got, when you're in the arena, and especially I boxed Scott Craig, who was champion at the time, I've been bought on football ground, right? Thousands of people baiting for my blood, right? Okay, in the fourth round, I knocked him down, and the arena went... You can hear a fucking. <laughs> it was like, and even the commentators were like, oh, "This ain't meant to happen. This ain't meant to happen." Yeah, and I like I say, going in there trying to unload everything to be able to try and get get him out of it, and all of a sudden the bastard's still there. Yeah, and then you're knackered. Yeah, but you've got to keep fighting and fighting for your life because, like I say, people die in the boxing ring, right? And it's hard as hell because. Because we're, we're so hungry and so proud that a lot of us will just keep on fighting until we're knocked out. Yeah? Mm. And that's dangerous. Because obviously when you're in a situation, you're obviously weight depleted, fluid depleted. You're fighting and then you're out of pride and everything. It's a dangerous place. When you get hit and you're tired... And you've been hit with a body shot, and, and like everybody's baiting for your blood. And he's, this guy's coming at you like a fucking lunatic. That's a scary place to be. Man. Yeah, that's how. <laughs> it's, it's not just about a punch coming in your face because you don't feel it. You don't feel it. You get caught when you're boxing properly, right? If you're boxing, if somebody catches you, like be like, shit, I won't get caught with that again if I can help it. Yeah. And I'll, <laughs> I got to try and adapt then to build a suit against what he's doing. So it's like a game of chess. Mm. Yeah, there is a lot more to it than people realize and take from this conversation because you know you got your attack and you got to defend at the exact same fucking time. You got yeah. all that mental and physical preparation. There's so much to it. It's actually it's yeah. quite fascinating. I've seen people that go into the ring, like I say, they get to the stage where they've been amazing in the gym, but then when it goes down to actual fight night, because of the pressure on all these people, it gets to them. Where I've been in. When I boxed, I boxed a boy called Di Davis for the Welsh title fight. And I boxed him. Sorry, I, so I boxed Di Davis for the Welsh title fight. Stopped him in the second round. Before I, um, before I retired, I was going up and I was sparring Di Davis up his gym in preparation for box Martin Lindsay, I believe it was. And honest to God, in the gym, beat the shit out of me. Honest to God, right? Be in the gym because he was a good gym fighter. 
beat the shit out of me, right? Just good, like, just real good gym fighter. But then on the night when I come down to fight him for the, uh, for the Welsh title, I destroyed him in two rounds. Because in that sparring, it's different to in a fight. In a fight, I'm fucking going for you. Mm. Yeah? In sparring, I'm not. I'm a nice man, like, you know what I mean? But in a fight, I'm fighting for my life. So you better either fucking be as good as me or we're we going to have a proper fucking tear. Like, yeah? <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. So some people are gym fighters. I was a I was a fight fighter fighter, I suppose. In the gym, I, I won. I was good because do you know why as well? When I boxed again for the British title fight, because in 2012 I opened up my own boxing gym. Right, cost me a lot of money to be able to set it up again. Um, a lot of my own cash, a lot of stress and worry. When I was boxing, Martin Lindsay and Sky TV come to the to my gym. Um, where I was training in preparation to box Martin Lindsay for the British title. They come into the gym and I set it up and all I had was a makeshift ring. Right? I, I had four posts and ropes going around it. Right, And my preparation for, i got to be honest, all of my last title fights right, would be sparring all my guys in the gym. And I'm talking about kids from nine years old Right, right up to my amateur boxers, right? Hmm. All I'd be doing is taking them around. That's what we call uh, uh, boxing engines, right? So sparring. So basically, I'd be just touching them, moving them around, yeah, learning them, okay? But by me doing that, I learned how to be so relaxed when shots are coming towards me and knowing how to avoid everything. Yeah, so I'd be boop, 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 knowing how to avoid shots. And my provisional, provi- provisional, provisional, what do you call it? Peripheral? Peripheral, yeah. You can, you can pronounce it better than me. Peripheral <laughs> vision, yeah. That I was switched on. So that was my preparation for fighting all my last 12 round fights. It's about um, big fights. A lot of people, when they got title fights coming up, what they do, they go and have hard fights in other people's gym against are champions as well, and they fight for them life, fight for their lives in other people's gym. Because what you got to remember, if if you come to my gym and done some sparring with me, and we're well to be on the same level, I ain't letting you get better one, get the better over me. So I'm gonna go flat out with you, and then you're obviously got a title fight coming up, so you're gonna be flat out with me. So they just beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, <laughs> with my generations, was just case of just just with kids and just learning them, and just like that's how I. I'm quite elusive, and that's how I learned how to do it. I just found millions of ends with everybody, kids and everything. It, it must be amazing that you, to pass on all your knowledge and all your wisdom and whatnot to the next generation of fighters to be like, you know, this is how I did it, and this is how you're going to be doing it by opening your own gyms and everything. I just think it's inspirational massively. Again, there's more for the movie. <laughs> Thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. Like it is good, right? And like I say, we've got to have one stage. Me running the gym because I had, like I say, 25, 30 amateur boxers. And where the gym is in Red Valley, it's, it's, it's run down as hell, right? There's not a lot of money in there. So, like I say, I a lot of kids where they don't have money. So, I'd be covering their costs. I had professional fighters. Professional fighters, they don't make money. Yeah, so I'd be covering the costs. So, at one stage, honest to God, this is honest, honest God's truth, 
At one stage, me running half as much gym in Woodmelon, a community-based gym, was costing me personally by 10 grand a year. But here's how it is, right? At the time, I couldn't afford it, but like I say, with regards to I found ways to make a bit happen, even with regards to me running the gym now, well, let me tell you something now, like, I'd rather not, if, if, possibly, possibly, if I had other things to do, which is amazing, right, I'd possibly not rather be at the gym Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then if I got some kids fighting, Saturday and Sunday, right, I'd rather be doing other things, whether it be taking my mother out, taking my dogs out, taking my kids out, seeing my grandkids, whatever, right, there are stages where sometimes I'd rather be doing that, but because I've got kids at the gym that absolutely love what I teach them, and because I teach them manners and everything as well, right? And I build confidence on people, and I see the effect that how they love me and they look after me, right? And how they become good people. And I'm not just talking about youngsters, I'm talking about every person in my gym. Like, I have people that travel from all over the place. I have people that, that'll catch a bus, yeah, from far far enough away for me to have to say, I appreciate you, right? I have people that'll drive from Cumbran. I have people that drive from Port Harbour, uh, Cardiff. I have people that'll, they'll, they'll come because, like, they enjoy what I teach them. And I say with regards to, for that, for that and the difference I make with regards to the people that come, I fucking love it. And I would, if I have the money again, and like even if I didn't have the money, I'd find a way to be able to keep it all going. Because I, I do, I always have to find a way. But it's just a feeling you get when you've got good people in the gym, you make a difference in their lives, even people that have fucking big businesses that have no self-confidence and are depressed. And it's just by saying, just like I said earlier, the way that I'll say to somebody, you're fucking ace. So I'll build their confidence up just by showing a little bit of appreciation to them and picking on the good things that they do in life. Yeah. Rather than if somebody does something wrong, say, no, you're not, you're not doing this right. Picking on the good things in life in order to be able to get them to be able to believe in themselves. A man, that is enough. That's enough for me. I love it. And that's why I do what I do. Yeah, that's why I do what I do. And it's fucking ace. That is fucking beautiful. Yeah. Oh. Miss God, I would do the Conor McGregor walk back and forth of screen. <laughs> that would normally be my next step. Yeah. Honest to God. But that is it, man. Like I say, regards to, and like, I'm quite good at what I do, man. I'm quite good at what I do. I like making a fucking difference. And it's ace. Yeah. Beautiful. I absolutely love it. And, like I said, that is phenomenal. You help bringing that. Is there anyone that you're working with at the moment in the gym that you think they could fucking go places? They could do what I did. They could win these titles. Well, there was a boy called Tom James. Now I've had him. I've had Tom. He came to my gym when he was 13 years old. He was a fat little kid that was getting bullied. Um, I've had him since then. He's won X Men Welsh titles and amateur going through. Built his confidence. He's a. He's a. He's a. He's like. He's a double of me in the way he boxes, just a beautiful, lovely, honest, good kid. Mm. Good, good kid. He's turned professional now. He's just had his fourth fight. 
Cardiff, he's doing all right, he's four fight undefeated. And like, I love him to death. And all I ever want is for the best for him. And like I say, we've got stuff, so I've got him. And then I've got, again, I've got one or two other kids down there. And they might never box again. I don't give a shit if they don't box again. All I know is, like I say, with guys, while they're at my gym, I'll teach them how to be able to just be better young men. Yeah, and I'll teach them how to box. And if they want to box, brilliant, we'll box. If they don't, we won't. But all I do is just give them the confidence through everything that we do to be able to get better. And like even with guys at Tom, even though he's a professional boxer, while he comes down to the gym, because he helps out with all the amateur boxers in the gym, he'll help out with everybody because of the mentality he is. He's an absolutely beautiful, good hard, dedicated young man that has learned by good people around him. And that's like, that's that's enough for me. So like with guys at Tom, and if other people come as they go, then we'll, we'll go with the journey. Like, I mean. Absolutely beautiful. I love this so much. Before we start wrapping this up, but I know you hung the boots up for the final time in 2016. Would you have another fight? I'm 40 fucking three fucking up, man. Look at the ear like <laughs> Come on now, Jim. Shit, man. And as you can tell, I'm not right. Jim, honest to God, like I say, when guys do, here's how it is. And a lot of people ask me this because I'll get in with the guys at the gym and I can spar all night. I can spar with all of them. And like, because I'm a million years old and I've been boxing since I was a nipper. Like, I mean, I, I, I know how to box. As I said earlier, I know how to build a, I know how to steal a rest. I know how to uh, make, Things are hard for other people. I know how to like. I know how to box. Yeah. Um, here's how it is. At 43, can I do it? Yes. Would I do it? No. Here's the reason why I wouldn't do it. At 43, I'm only got a member. Nine times Welsh champion. Commonwealth Games gold medalist. Welsh professional champion. Commonwealth professional champion. Box for the British title three times. Right. I wouldn't want to go in there and disrespect myself and get beaten by somebody that, when I was in my prime, wouldn't have beaten me. Right? Because I wouldn't be interested in going back for a four or six round fight. I would only want to be going back for title fights. And let's, let's just say now, right? Over four or six rounds, I can use that and hold my own and be smart but then after six and seven on right i'm 43 i can't move like i used to eventually they're going to catch up with me and if they're 23 24 they're going to have a little bit too much energy for me know what i mean so yeah, so that's the reason why now nah, I couldn't, man. Like I say, and like I got too many other things going on in life now that I couldn't just dedicate myself just being a professional boxer full time in order to be able to make myself the best I could be. Does that make sense, brother? Absolutely, can't argue that at all. Mr. Stevens, do you have any more questions for our beautiful guest? I do. I just want to say first and foremost, Jamie, you've had a hell of a career. I mean, you just you just reeled it off just then, but like you said. Nine amateur Welsh boxing titles, Commonwealth gold, Welsh super featherweight title, and Commonwealth professional in 2010. If you could go back and do it all again, would you? Yeah, definitely. Man, I've, I've had a good life. I've had loads of ups and downs, right? But I'm and like, people, because like I say, I'm quite positive little shit. People say, oh, that's all I, mean. I say, and I always say that, even now, as things are going, 
Life's far better, more better than it is good, right? And I'm like, yeah, fucking hell, I've had some, I've had some bumps. Right? I've had some bumps and I've had some, I've had, I've had bumps, bad bumps. And I'd say, regards to, I've had bumps that sometimes people just, no, I, I quit, I can't do this no more. And I've had stages where I, I could have said, oh, fuck, I can't do this no more. Broken as fuck, yeah? But I've had loads of good times as well. And as I said earlier, didn't earn the money out of boxing. I've earned money out of working. And the reason why people notice me is because sometimes of my name, but then on the other side, here's the reason why they like me is because of this. You get me? Mm. So like I say, at the end of the day, they'll have my interaction with guys them. I get the opportunity to be able to speak to them. And then I give them the, what I am positive. Like, you know what I mean? So that gives them a stage where that's helped my life by being Jamie Arthur, by being Jamie Arthur and putting everything on the line, my whole life on the line, my relationships, my family time, my health, my putting all the risk on the line in order to be the best I can be and achieve it. And then the response that I get from people uh, and the opportunity I get to be able to help people and, and make a difference, damn fucking right I do it all again for that reason. Amazing. I I think you're a true inspiration. I think you are a, a legend as well. And I can see why people adore and love you so much. Uh, this has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. Robert, Robert, I fucking love you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you. And like I say, again, you didn't have to love this. Spend this time with me. I appreciate you, man. It's good. And hopefully you'll see you yeah yeah fingers crossed yeah. fingers crossed it'd be great uh, you know it's it's we're gonna drop it in a couple of weeks because jamie's off on holiday tomorrow so um oh, we're gonna spain oh awesome yeah. man, which is, never, it's back. um mercia never been there before so should be yeah. really nice I'm looking forward to it well i'm missing it. family yeah go family. with my wife my daughter and my dad and his wife Thank you very much, mate. I really appreciate that. Before we let you go, Jamie, do you have any plugs, social medias, websites, anything like that? No, I think I've said everything I need to say with regards to where we are, what we do. I think, yeah, obviously, see my little logo over there, that looks quite good. Emporium, is it Emporium? How do we pronounce it? Emporium Leisure. Emporium Leisure. Emporium Leisure is Jamie, one of my really, really good friends. They say we do a lot of work with regards to his, um, he does a lot of uh, appliances for uh, the leisure industry, i.e., boats, uh, camp vans. So, really good guy, give him a follow. Um, Free Nation's really good. Like I say, I do a lot of work with them with regards to the beer side of things. And um, yeah, I think that's about it, my friend. Yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. Thank you so much, man. Like, it's just perfect. Thank Jamie, you so much, thank Jamie. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening. Yeah. Look after yourself. No worries. Take care, guys. Take care, buddy. See you later. Take care, mate. Again, an incredible, incredible conversation. I loved this so much. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Thoroughly enjoyed. Jamie, again, thank you so much, man. Like, we've loved every second of it. It was truly inspirational and so much fun. And he said some lovely words about us during it, which we really appreciate as well. So massive thank you for that as well. It means Absolutely. Really does. And we hope that you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. It's about getting into schools and talking to young people because, you know, I, I know that people can change. Uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand 
and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there guys, we are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Mr. Stevens. Oh, you've changed it. I was fully expecting the jingle buzz of Merry Christmas, whatever it was. Uh, sorry, yes, sir? It's audience participation time. Participate, bitch! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's participation challenge. This week, I said, if there's two things we love in life, it's nicknames and rhyming. So this week, we ask... If every celebrity had a name like Bill Nye the Science Guy, what would they be called? What say you, Mr. Stevens? You got anything for this? I week? have no fucking clue. This is so difficult. I'm not gonna lie to you, my friend. This is a hard one this week. Um uh, nope. Yeah, I nothing I, I, I was like, I'm not gonna look it up because I've seen this on the internet where well. I got inspired by it, but I was not gonna look it up. I'm gonna see if I could figure any myself. I got fuck all. My brain don't work that well. I I got nothing. But there we are. But our friends did. We got some great answers for this. First off, we'll go with the man we normally end it with, Mr. Ryan Williams. He hasn't gone for the rhyming scheme. He's gone for a literal. I quite like these. Rob Paulson, the voices guy. Dwayne Johnson, the muscles guy. John Cena, the invisible guy. I like that one. Ryan Reynolds, the, this one is offensive. Ryan Reynolds, the got the tries too hard to be funny guy. You leave Ryan Reynolds alone, you. Everyone loves Ryan Reynolds. Not fair. But yes, we got some amazing answers for this one. Phil Jolly gave us quite a few. Brian Cox, the fizz on the box. Jeremy Kyle, ain't been on for a while. <laughs> That's good. Lorraine Kelly, total shit on telly. <laughs> 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 Matt Rose, Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right, eh? <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> Another one for Matt Rose. This might be one of my favorites. Sean Bean, he dies on screen. <laughs> That's great. That is really good. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Ollie Nightingale, Jonathan Ross thinks he's the boss. <laughs> Leah Smith, Tom Cruise, the Scientology dude. <laughs> This one definitely really it. made me laugh. Zara Lavender, Kim Kardashian, famous for her. Gash? Yes. <laughs> I had to ask Keris what, what it was. I was like, I have no clue. Did you not? No. Because <laughs> I thought it was her ass for some reason. So she did have that magazine cover with a giant ass on it. Yeah. Graham Arnold gave us quite a few here as well. So Jackie Chan that does his own stunts, man. That really made me laugh. 
Uh, Weird Al, the parody making pal. <laughs> like that one. That's cool. Yeah. Snoop Dogg, the weed smelling walking fog. Should <laughs> <laughs> it through? Uh, Graham's last one. Christopher Walken, the dude that pauses while talking. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, but this one was quite a hard one, so I didn't get that many this week. But last but not least, I had to say this one for last because this is so good that Gemma Williams literally went, I'm not even trying. This answer's too good. I posted this in another group and someone screenshotted this response and posted it there saying, this is the best thing ever. It's our ever, it's our favourite cheese-loving man, Adam Lancaster. Jeffrey Dahmer, people Nama. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Superb, Adam. Absolutely brilliant. You wonderful human, you. It was great. It was a, it's quite a difficult <laughs> week this week, but yeah. It was quite a difficult one. I'm quite looking forward to next week's answers for next week's challenge. It should be an interesting one. Is that out? It will be after I've done this episode because I forgot to post it earlier. <laughs> okay. Brain was left in Spain. I've established this since I come back. I have just been a complete useless bleh since I come back. No, you haven't done this, I thought um, you were going to say, yours have been. <laughs> We appreciate everybody that participates in Jamie's Challenge. Thank you so much for everybody that gives us answers. Um, sometimes, obviously, they... It's weird. It's weird because you can't really gauge on what people enjoy more than other things, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's we have Sometimes we have loads where you get loads of responses and some would be better. Anyway, um, we, thank you so much to everybody that participated. If you enjoy Jamie's Participation Challenge, Tom's Journal, Callum's Treachings, the wanky shit bollocks we talked at the beginning, and the interview in the middle of all that deliciousness... Then you'll enjoy the other 81 editions of the Chronicles of Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it be Spotify, Google, Apple, etc. and etc. You can also come to our YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast. Please hit that subscribe button, please. We are six away from 200. It'd be nice to hit the big old two double O and then move to three, four, five, and then a grand, etc. And we keep going. That's that's the aim of the game, anyway. Um, you can find all of our interviews are on there, all of our shows are on there. You can watch our weird little faces. All of our Bloodstock live interviews are on there. All of our hashtag WBW way back Wednesdays are on there. Our Bloodstock vlog is on there and our Dublin Cross vlog is on there. There is so much to come this year. I can't stress it enough. Um, it's been a slow start, I'm not going to lie, but we have a lot in the tank. And I don't mean to be a carrot dangler. I hate being that person, um, but I don't want to commit to something and it not happen. So there you go. Um you can also find us on Facebook at the Chronicles of Podcast. Please hit the like button, share it with all your mates, post whatever you want in the groups. Uh, Jamie, whilst you're there, um, where else can you find us? You can find us in Arthur's gym, training with Jamie to be the next best boxer in Britain. There and on the Twitter at TCO Pod. And whilst you're in Arthur's gym, training to be the next best boxer in the world and on the Twitter, where else can you find us? Shuffling across the bathroom with your trousers around your ankles, going to wash your hands. Just you then. And on the Instagram, I think. at TCO Pod. You can also find us on LinkedIn at the Chronicles of Podcast. Please come collect us on there. You can find us on TikTok at TCO Pod. Go and find Jamie's Chesney Hawks video. Uh, you can also find us on our beautifully brand spankingly sexy and gorgeous little website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. All about us are on there. All of our shows and episodes are on there. And our shop is on there as well. Please get yourself some Chronicles of Podcast merchandise. You know it makes sense. You know it does. Trust me. You want to rep the brand. Uh, yeah, follow us on the socials, get us on the old YouTube, and thank you for being here each and every week, enjoying your favourite podcast with your favourite people. All right. While you're on our website, 
go and check out the new page for the Razor's Edge. Every interview we do for those guys will be on that page. Go check out the Razor's Edge now, the Razor's Edge dot rocks. So many amazing interviews, articles, reviews, you name it. And of course, you get to get more of me and Tom. What more could you want in your bloody life? But before we get out of here, let's say thank you to a few of our friends. First off, it's the recent birthday boy. He provides us with every single piece of music you hear on this show. And that is the one and only, the one-man singer-songwriter, Matt Roberts. He has recently released a brand new album, Light of Day. Please go onto Spotify, wherever you get your music, go check out this album. It is absolutely superb. We can't thank Matt enough for everything he does for this show. And I hope you had a fantastic birthday, sir. Go check him out. Happy birthday, mate. Go check him out, all the social medias, at Matt Roberts Music. And like I said, go follow him on Spotify or wherever you get your music from. And of course, we have to say a massive thank you to Mr. Braden Barry and his Stay Cozy Clothing. Head on over to www.staycozyclothing.com or download the smartphone app. There are brand new lines dropping very, very soon. And we cannot wait for you guys to see them. They are absolutely beautiful. But before they go on there now, See whatever you like, add it to your basket, add that discount code, The Chronicles, and get 10% off your order while you're on that website. Not only can you get some amazing clothing, you can also get a gorgeous vinyl copy of Braden's latest album, Beneath the Roses. We cannot recommend this album enough. I know we will promote Braden until we're blue in the face because we absolutely love the man, but genuinely, this album is one of the best, if not the best album he's done, quite frankly. It is so damn good. We could not recommend it enough. So please go do that. And last but not least, it is the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. They are stamping out prejudice, hatred and intolerance everywhere. As Tom said, we had a fantastic meeting with the foundation early on today. We are so excited. We've got some amazing news to share with you all very, very soon. I'm going to dangle a carrot now. <laughs> but over the past recent well, since pretty much August last year, I've been telling you all to head over to the Sophie Lancaster Foundation website and fill in that hate crime questionnaire. That questionnaire is now coming to a close for now because we have all the information. All the information is being collated, ready to send off. But talking to the foundation, one thing that is very, very clear, 80 plus percent of those responses all said that people weren't reporting it when people were being treated differently because of the way they dress, the music they listen to, whatever it may be. So we just want to encourage everyone out there. And it's not just you encourage your friends, your family. If they are being targeted, they're being treated differently because of the music they listen to the way they dress. If they're being part of the alternative lifestyle, report these incidents because it's the only way the law and police are going to know that it's happening. Please report it if you see it happening to someone encourage them to report it there are websites out there like stop hate true vision victim support that you can report from victim support are a fantastic charity who will help you if you are struggling because of the way you're treated they will help you with counseling they'll help you in any way they can and help you get through this same way if you need any support or advice contact the foundation you can contact them, inquiries at sophielancasterfoundation.com. Reach out to them, they are there for you all. We do not want to happen again what happened to Sophie. It cannot happen again. I refuse to accept that it can happen again because it shouldn't and it can't, quite frankly. As I said, we cannot wait to work at the foundation for the rest of this year and beyond. But you can if you are at the Primordial Festival at Wolverhampton next Saturday. 
you'll find these two handsome buggers right here representing the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. So if you are there, come and say hi and make sure you go check out Becky Baldwin, former guest from a few weeks ago's band Fury, because they are playing at the festival. We cannot wait to see you all there. Make sure you come and say hi to your Chronicles boys. And last but not least, massive thank you to this handsome bugger. I've bloody missed him. Yeah, I've missed you too, brother. And same back to you. Uh, beautifully said. Beautifully said. So I can't agree with you enough. Um, it's great to be back. Great to be back on, you know, and we're going to be here for every week. Every fucking week. There's no way you're getting rid of us now. Um, unless Jamie doesn't holiday again, which tends to happen um, around the summertime. So I'm really sorry about that. That's the case. I'm not um, Another great episode, Jamie. Thank you so much for being on the show this week. It's been absolutely amazing to have you on here. We're really excited for what's to come this year, and we can't wait to see you all next week for the Chronicles of Braden Barry 2. Yeah. Mr. Seikosi's on the show next week. It's going to be amazing. Um, and as my massive co-host, you're an absolute hero, and I love you very much. Thank you very much. Beautiful human. I called you massive. I didn't mean to. I meant say wonderful. Anyway. Is that what you're trying to say? I mean, I'm, all worded, Spain, I'm, all, I'm all worded out, mate. I'm all worded out. <laughs> as for this week, We'll see you all next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.